What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Blog Talk Radio. We appreciate all of our amazing fans at the Hair Radio Show. And we know that you have many choices of how you spend your time each morning. So we thank you for listening because your hair speaks volumes. Time to rise and shine with the Hair Radio Morning Show with Carrie Hines. Welcome to the Hair Radio Show on Blog Talk Radio. He's the host with the most, Mr. Carrie Hines. Good morning, and welcome to an all-new live edition of the Hair Radio Morning Show. We're the longest-running daily live broadcast on hair in the world, 25 years and counting. Now, on today's broadcast, we've got the latest in hair and beauty talk, great music, and much, much more. I must thank our Carapy Hair Products, Hair Nation Expo Events, Salon TV Network, and all of our amazing advertisers who are responsible for getting this episode on the air. Now, if today is your first time tuning in, thank you. And remember to press 1 to make a live comment or shout-out during the show. We're here each weekday from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 5 to 8 Central. Now grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's show. Bye. 
Everybody, I'm Valerie from Validate Your Beauty. I am giving a shout out to the Hair Radio Morning Show, Carrie Hines. Ladies, do you love a man with a well-groomed and sexy beard? Men, do you suffer from patchiness or irritation and want a fuller beard? Well, let me introduce you to the hottest beard care products on the market. Rugged Evolution features 16 amazing balms, oils, shampoos, and accessories. Our products are sure to meet the demands of all your beard care needs. For more information, go to RuggedEvo.com. That's RuggedEvo.com. And remember, Rugged is the new smooth. I'm Terry Hines, and I'm in Brooklyn, New York. You know, I have um, thought about this for a while, and I wanted to be able to share with all of you guys, really, uh, on what what it's really been like to be in the thralls of 
of what you're doing. And kind of like blocking everybody else out, if you will. And uh, you kind of need that tunnel vision. You really do. You kind of need it because you've got to stay focused. You don't have time for a lot of the other ancillary distractions that will take you off your journey. And uh, when you're called upon to do big things, well, you kind of got to get to it. And uh, I feel that being uh, the host of the Hair Radio Morning Show with my amazing crew has been uh, a remarkable and almost predestined um, event or occurrence in my life. And so I'm so grateful for you guys. I'm so grateful every day that you tune in. We put together a remarkable broadcast live for three hours daily. Who else cares that much in the hair business? Who? So I thank you. I thank our amazing fans from every corner of the planet Earth who tune in. We are local. We're right next door. And we're across the country. And we're around the world. So the next time you think about uh, taking in uh, the latest podcast, if you will, or just hanging out with the Hair Radio Morning Show, I think this will uh, cross your mind. So, listen, Maggie Anderson is up next, and um, I'm Carrie Hines. I. I just want you to just keep it right here and stay tuned. We've got a lot more to go, folks. I'm Maggie Anderson. I am the creator of The Empowerment Experiment and the author of Our Black Year, my family's year-long stand, completely living off of black-owned businesses. When we decided to take on this public pledge, We had no idea how hard it would be. There was only one black-owned grocery store in all of Illinois, and that grocery store closed five months before we finished our year. Um, And I have two little girls. There means no fresh milk, no fresh meats, no fresh produce. Um, But I put them through that because we took the stand and we wanted really to do something extreme out of love for our community to expose how few black businesses there still are to refute uh, negative stereotypes about black owned businesses and to expose economic injustice that still persists in America. After the year, I decided that I could not go back to corporate. I could not go back to law. I've made this issue of, of economic racism and really trying to create economic empowerment in our black community, my life. The black hair care firms, they uh, sustained the civil rights movement. Black women created these companies, huge, thriving companies, and we needed that. We talk about Black Wall Street now because we shine light on what happened in Tulsa. Most black neighborhoods were anchored by these black Wall Streets. And if we could bring that back, 
America would be better. I'm not saying bring all of it back. That would probably be impossible. But we can bring black hair care back. There are great black hair care companies that exist, black-owned hair care companies that exist right now. And it would be wonderful for, in America, just like other groups own their culturally relevant products and industries, that the black community can own the biggest black hair care brands, that the black community can own uh, black beauty supply stores. 3% of the beauty supply stores in black neighborhoods, and people know, people, black people know what I'm talking about. If you go into a black neighborhood, you're going to see a beauty supply store, and they're going to sell all the black hair care products that only black people use, and they are not owned by black people. So I've issued the Black-Owned Hair Care Challenge. Just asking everyday folks to say, Hi, my name is Maggie Anderson, and I accept the Black-Owned Hair Care Challenge. And tell the world that from now on, if I'm going to buy black hair care products, I'm going to make sure it's from a black-owned company. Uh, what oh, are you yeah. I'm, I, you know, here's the thing. You know, being our, at, at our mid, my mid-age, growing up in New York, I was a big East Coast against the West Coast guy, right? Oh, so, yeah, I was wow. A, uh, yeah, yeah. I was, a, I was, you know, big in the biggie. And, you know, and, and, you know, growing up with Grandmaster Flash, so the old school Boogie Down Bronx, remember, I'm a Boogie Down guy. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so Coolio and all this stuff. But here's, here's, as we get older, and we realize why it was called Gangster Rap, because it was a fight for and a fight mm. against. It, it's different mm. than what it, the terminology may be non-melanin non people may understand what gangster meant. Gangster meant yeah. for the black community was to fight for. We know we're always yeah. fighting for, and we always seem like we're fighting oh, yeah. against. So, and that's what Tupac said. I'm going to be a thug for life because, you know, you're killing me in the streets and I'm fighting for it. So, yeah, I'm a thug. You want to call me a thug? You want to criminalize it? But I'm a thug because, you know, it's so if you want to call me what you call me, but you got to understand where it comes from. you got to understand yeah. what we are thinking. So that is how we grew up in the 80s, in the you know, 70s and 80s and the 90s when Coolio came out called Gangster Rap. It was, the language wasn't just about selling the, the yayo and the drugs and stuff. It was about getting out of a place that is trying to strangle you. And, exactly, and, and, and remember that tattoo, Thug Life, that uh, yeah. that uh, that that uh, that he had. He always wore that, um, and uh, proudly so, proudly so. And I, I certainly remember those. I have to tell you, uh, yeah, this still caught me a little bit off guard. I, I, even though they had they had already claimed this man dead many times, uh, already <laughs> you know as part of popes and things like that. So uh, this, you know, I was at first a little reluctant to believe it was true. And mm -hmm. uh, then I said, oh, my gosh, it is, when TMZ reports up, you know it's true. I don't know how <laughs> those folks find out everything. They must have folks at, at everywhere. <laughs> you know, TMZ is on top of it. 
Next to Hair Radio, those are the folks who uh, pay attention to. And uh, so I was just blown away when they had reported this yesterday. Now, what it did, though, it made me think, Dr. Paul Dyer, it made me think, Nicole Marie, Michael uh, Hopkins, our Vet Talk Radio show host, will be with us a little later on this morning. But um, I want to kind of ask you about this, and this comes to recognizing talent in our community. It seems as though uh, that this doesn't happen across the board so much. Does, you know, uh, I don't know. Have you noticed this, Dr. Paul Dyer? Uh, what yes. are your thoughts well, what, on this and all of all of that good stuff? Can you weigh in on that for us this morning? So uh, I do. And working with education, working with the, the melanin community to understand where have we fell short for 70 years, um, working with trauma, working with people to get over the trauma or epidemiology of trauma, historical trauma, slave, slave mentality, all those things. So the answer is undoubtedly yes. And because I'm a neuroscience guy, I go right into the brain. We are unable to recognize talent because we have been in survival and afraid. Mm. I'll say it again. We are unable to recognize talent because we are always in survival and afraid. What are we afraid of? Are we afraid of someone punching us in the mouth? No, that's that's not where the fear comes from. The fear from us is being removed. Right. That's a slave thought process. How, are the, how is the controller going to remove me? How am I going to be removed? Will it be fired? Will it be in a relationship? How am I going to be removed? So there's all this, because we are so indebted with the historical issue of we're going to be separated, specifically the black male. Specifically Ooh. the black male. So that's why Ooh. there's things that black men have a tendency to be afraid of. So the bravado comes into how can I associate to assimilate so I'm not removed. And if I am removed, I don't feel like I am less than, right? Mm. So th- wow. so there's a, there's a lot of processing going on to why don't we recognize talent? Because if we are afraid to be removed and we're afraid of keeping survival, which hope only comes into the occipital lobe in the frontal cortex, and hope is talent. Hopes are dreams. And mothers and fathers will douse hope by telling the child verbiage to kill that growth. Not now, Mm. not at this time. Go sit down someplace. We've heard that from many uh, people. Not of now. Course. Go sit down someplace. What, what's the old term? Yeah. Let grown yeah. folks talk. <laughs> Let folks rise. Did you know that the Hair Radio Show with Carrie Hines is the longest-running radio broadcast on hair and beauty talk in the world? It's a broadcasting hair industry institution. 
Be a live guest on air and join our long list of amazing celebrities and hair and beauty industry luminaries who've all been on our show. Give our office team a call at 833-402-8882. Again, that's 833-402-8882. Or visit us online at hairradio.com because you haven't made it until you've made it to Hair Radio. I was I was just thinking, and, you know, that's a very dangerous thing for me, but um, <laughs> I was thinking about some directions of media, especially, and, and some of the moguls. One was featured recently on one of my favorite other shows, The Sunday Morning, mm-hmm. and they were talking about Byron Allen and all the things that yeah. he's done with media. And they exactly. had something with with Robert Townsend and, and uh-huh. Keenan uh, Wayans and all this stuff, even, you know, Camel Bell and, and Spike Lee. And I thought, wow, those are, you know, impressive people in, you know, in my little mind. But then it's like, you know, I'm kind of wondering, do they know how Carrie Hines fits into this? Because you have been part of a media, um, I won't say frenzy, you've been part of the media and um, made some very, very important inroads and, you know, connections um, that I think that that somebody needs to explore and, and write about or talk about or tell about. So um, I'm thankful that you're going to uh, help me look back and, and kind of document some of the things that you have contributed to media and some of the people and lives that you've touched because I think it's really important and people don't know because you're so humble. And uh, if you would, just indulge me and, and share with the listeners some of uh, the things that you do as Carrie Hines. Mary, uh, just to even hear you uh, speak of me like that is just, I can't even begin to tell you uh, how profound that is. Um, and when you mentioned folks like Byron Allen, I caught the tail end of that about Byron Allen and I uh, on this amazing uh, Sunday news program that I watched, and um, I'm going to Google it so I can see the whole piece because I'm so motivated by individuals like uh, Mr. Allen and so many others who uh, demand to be treated with respect and demand that our community is respected with regards to broadcasting and communication and, and uh, recognizing the talents and contribute, uh, you know, what we've contributed. And so um, mm-hmm. I'm all, I'm all in. And I also want to extend the same kind of greeting to you and uh, what you've been able to accomplish, Mary Reed Johnson and with Hairhead Heart. So thank you. Thank you very much for that uh, wonderful intro. Absolutely. Uh, and there's so many um, ways that we can start, but I'm thinking I'll start with kind of the six degrees of separation uh, <laughs> because I know you've had some of these topics and you've addressed them before they were, you know, addressed by, you know, some names that, you know, may have ties with whatever media source. And so let's, let's maybe start with one. Um, let's talk about Cosby. Mm. And, you know, the show that you did, how did you come up with the idea to even uh, approach that? And this was, you know, light years. I, I know who Camu Bell is, of course, but light years before this project was going, 
I think you had already addressed it. I mean, it, it went as it was unfolding. So how did you even exactly. come up with that, you know, feeling that pulse that maybe it needed to have a discussion? Well, first, Mary, thank you so much. And I just want to preface all this by saying I don't know where Mary is going (laughs) with whatever she wants to know, uh, but the annals are open, uh, our archives are open, and I told her she has free reign to uh, ask me anything that she wishes uh, for you guys to know. So um, I'm glad you mentioned this. Uh, We did a piece called About Cosby and uh, talking about Cosby. And I remember the graphic and the whole idea. And um, I had this inspiration from, um, you know, let me, let me preface everything by saying let's, let's go back to uh, listen back for a moment um, on this because a lot of what we do at Hair Radio and the Hair Radio Morning Show uh, is steeped in coverage or revisiting topics and things that might make the general broadcast media a tad on the uncomfortable side. And it's not meant to do that. It's not designed to do that. Um, it is It is for us to be able to be uh, a bit, offer a bit of realism to the black experience. And we welcome everybody to that experience. Doesn't matter who you are, what race or nationality or any of that stuff. Um, But we wanted to take a look. I noticed for the most part that when I look at media, I see uh, a divide. I see that there is a way that that it appears to me anyway, that, uh, you know, folks outside of our community, uh, you know, will listen or view discussions or topics or what have you, and folks that are inside of our community will view and listen and weigh in on different topics. And it can be largely said, of course, folks with shared experiences tend to have similar beliefs and all of that. Um, So I can understand that. And folks outside of the community are looking inside or looking from the outside to uh, what they perceive to be how we are. So, um, so that's, kind of how that is. So when you are telling a story, um, whether it's my show or the general media out there, you're telling it from that perspective. And if uh, if you don't have folks from this community, from our community, being part of those stories being told, well, they're not going to really tell it with the kind of uh, real cultural connection that it needs to have. I'll give you a quick uh, case in point, then I'll circle back to your uh, your question about Cosby. Uh, mm-hmm. I was watching, uh, you know, uh, like during the month of February, you'll always hear uh, of Black History Month, and that's all wonderful and great. But I noticed a lot on local news, whenever that month comes around, uh, and this is a good lesson for any time that you're listening to this, this wonderful uh, piece today, but... Uh, what I've noticed is that oftentimes the the discourse or the what the local news is doing, they're not really telling you stories about black history. They will take a, a story about a person, a black person of note, who might now be running a cookie stand or whatever, and they will uh, talk about that on their newscast. 
and then put the moniker or the banner up there, uh, Black History Month or what have you, when the real truth is all that they are doing is doing what they should be doing anyway, which is inclusivity about uh, African Americans, just like other cultures should be represented. And so, but but the thing is, it's not black history. <laughs> it's black people, yeah. but it's not really black history. If you want right. to talk about the uh, what the contributions of our ancestors have done for America, then talk about that. But you're not, you know, they think that just by showing black people and putting the banner black, you know, that already tells me who's in your newsroom and what your discourse is, is doing and where there's a disconnection. So I don't want to be part of that, uh, which is not organic for me. I want an organic experience each morning, and I want that experience to be shared uh, by the folks who tune in. So there are, and- you know, I, I've never wanted to just you know, when I like uh, just to look at the shows and not, you know, even if they have uh, black people on their newscast, I'll tell you, you know, it's not, it, there's not an organic feeling for me. It's just, I see folks, and my favorite one is where you'll have folks who may be black, who, uh, you know, where folks outside the community look and they, they think they're kind of maybe not black and I'm looking at them thinking that they kind of might be black and somebody else is because <laughs> they, it's like I call them real, uh, you know, invisible uh, kind of, that can fit into any anybody's well, mindset. You, commitment. I think it's yeah. a commitment to whether it's community or color, colorization or right. uh, perspective or heart, all of those, you know, are things that um, you can, you know, paint and make it seem if like X, Y, Z, even though in reality it's not too hard to scratch that surface and, and see the reality, which is that, um, you know, more than 98% of the media comes from an exclusive source. <laughs> we'll, we'll just right. put it that way. Um, exactly. And so th- this is not a new story. Uh, but why, what I like about Hair Radio Network and what you do, Carrie, is that you are more genuine and don't seem to be afraid to have whomever, whatever story, and it's their story, you know, and, and you know, you invite them to present it. And uh, I think that's very happy. And, again, you haven't been – it's not like your first – time at the rodeo you've been doing this for what 29 years or thereabouts uh, how, how long have you somewhere been somewhere around there <laughs> we'll we'll park it on that one there's a good number to park okay it on. okay but mary i do uh just yes and closing on that i do want to just mention that you know my whole point was that you have uh you have these different newsrooms locally who generally don't include Folks, of, uh, I don't see it with my eyes so much, especially here in my market, with the darker hues. And uh, But what I will find are folks who are totally the opposite, where uh, it just does, it's not inclusive. And you feel that when you look at these things. And this is something that seems to be missing across the board, generally speaking. Now, when it comes to the Cosby conversation, that was my whole reason 
uh, for thinking about Cosby, first of all, because when I thought about this and, and had the inspiration, it was from he had just been sent off to prison. Um, you could see in the news coverage that to say it was slanted is like <laughs> is the understatement of the year. And so it was mm-hmm. in the midst of all of the um, the you know the confrontations. Me with, too moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the me too type movement and all of these things uh, bubbling up to the surface. Um, but there was a tinge of um, you know uh, of other conversations that seemed to be the discourse that they were trying to bring to the surface, and that was color. And so. With Bill Cosby's story, and again, he had just been sent off to prison, and the negative onslaught, and this is not to discuss whether or not he's innocent, as far as I'm concerned, or guilty. I have no idea. But what I do know is that from my perspective, the lens was very different from what seemed to be, again, the folks inside versus outside the community. So um, as we moved along with his story uh, that we've been kind of brought into this with uh, local news media and and the coverage of it, um, I just kind of uh, thought that it was time to uh, visit this after he had been uh, away for some time uh, incarceration and uh, or incarcerated. So I thought it was a good time that we should brush off this story that seemed to be as far as the discourse I got from the, the media was to lock them up, throw away the key. Right. And, well, I thought, uh, that, um, and again, not, not to say whether he's guilty or innocent. I mean, everybody's guilty of something. Everybody, you know, just being responsible for your actions, whether you positioned yourself in, in someone's uh, lair or, you know, whatever. I'm not going to retry that. But, I also want to look at the concept of character assassination, uh, and I want to look at the stereotypes, and I want to look at people being responsible and not responsible, on and on and on. There's just a, a myriad of directions we could go. But for him, one of the things that I would say, because you mentioned uh, colorization, he was the first one, like they can pinpoint that this was the first uh leading black actor. He wasn't a subservient. He wasn't a lackey, whatever. He had equal footing with his co, um, co-actor, co I guess, uh, yeah. in uh, I Spy, Robert Culp, right? They had equal right. roles, basically, and, you know, a little trendy. But he actually saw somebody being painted up in blackface who was going to be his stunt double for whatever episode, and he, he stood up and he's like, well, uh, I'm thinking there's somebody <laughs> who you can get, who's already black, you know, that type of thing. So he opened up the door for um, that. He opened up the door for actors of um, all hues and all ages. You know, he he did a lot of good. So to say that he's an imperfect person, I'm not necessarily shocked. I'm not necessarily saying he wasn't acting in uh, some cultural ways that were accepted at the time. But the punishment and the crime don't seem to fit. I'm not. I'm not going to judge that. But I'm looking at the good that he did as a black man in a very you. Uh, this this I want to say disadvantaged, but an unequal 
setting, and he still stood up and he still did um, good and right things. Just like Hazel Scotton, you know, we have we have more than one, but he had his longevity and the numbers of paths that he opened up for other people, clean comedians, you know, all kinds of things. I think that um, those just shouldn't be thrown out with the bathwater. You can't okay, undo yeah. the good that he did, you know. Uh, so, um, but but I, I think um, if if people take a listen um, to that discussion, I think they will be um, reminded of all the layers that go into being a, a celebrity and all the layers that go into being a black celebrity, and even the more layers and amounts of courage that it takes to be a black celebrity who recognizes that you do have some power and to use it properly. Uh, When I say properly, I mean for the positive of mankind or, you know, humanitarian efforts. And, you know, they could have totally just blown him away and, you know, we never heard of who, who Bill Cosby was again, but it didn't work out that way. So, um, you know, I, I, I applaud you for giving him some space and having a discussion about, you know, the good and the bad. So I just exactly. wonder where it came from. Yeah. And, Mary, that is, to just to end that, um, but uh, that's exactly what happened. Um, we wanted to take a look, and someone needed to mention the contributions. I'm from Philadelphia, so I grew up uh, looking uh, at every corner, and uh, there's Temple University, and there is, uh, you know, a very, um, in, there's a very deep, profound feeling that you know Bill Cosby, that he's connected, to, he's from Philly, he's connected to Philly, and this was, uh, for all of us, we had that kind of pride. But the thing that really resonated was that he had done so much in the education sphere. And so, uh, so yes, again, this is not to try guilty. We don't know. I don't know. Don't even, that's not my uh, thing. I'm able to make that discernment about uh, being able to see if, uh, to really look at the good. And uh, that is something that is incredibly important. So, Mary, thank you for that. Oh, boy, I love, boy, you just opened up with a bang this morning. Okay. <laughs> Well, it's your show. I have wow. to. I have to. I know that you have it, and I know that uh, people need to know about it. So, um, where did you come up with some of your titles for Hair Radio Morning Show? What? Are, what? Is, where did? Because um, you've got the network, right? You've got yes. the the show. You have um, just a variety of parts of your brand. So, expand yes. on some of, you know, how one part of your brand led to the next part. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you mentioned this, Mary, because folks are, sometimes they can, you know, we have similar titles with everything and everything is radio and hair and you're not sure if you're listening to the radio show or a recorded podcast or the live show or a 24-hour network. So we have all the above. And uh, let me just tell you, I'm so pleased that you ask it this way, because it started out as um, the hair radio show and hair radio at that time was one word. So it was H A I R A D I O. It was the hair radio show. So it was literally three <laughs> words. Hair radio was a made up word. I later down the road separated it. But at that time it was H A I radio, the hair radio show. And so no mm. one could find it. <laughs> 
So um, I said, okay, I've got to separate the word hair from radio at that time in terms of the broadcast. And we started out of North New Jersey on the station WNJR, which was located in downtown Newark, New Jersey. And that's on AM uh, radio. So uh, it's called AM and FM radio. Uh, it's called terrestrial radio. So, uh, so I started on terrestrial radio. Folks, you know, these days they start on the Internet. <laughs> they start on the podcast. Right, right. I predated all of that. Uh, so I started on an AM station uh, with the hair radio show. And that was a fluke. Uh, I had already been producing radio shows. Um, I started with a show on the West Coast for kids and then came back to the East Coast and started. A Go back to that. Was, uh, was that the Fuzzy Bear? Well, it was actually, it was our version. It was my own uh, thought. It was called. Fluff the Bear. Fluff the Bear Fluff, uh, yeah. was, um, um, and I'll tell you that story, too. It's a very interesting story. Um, but I have to say, it it really was the beginning of of my whole journey. So, um, and I've never really told this story. And then I'll circle back to why and how we got to hear radio and the names and all of that. But, yes, um when I moved out to California, because I'm from Philadelphia, folks, again, uh, just as a reminder as I just mentioned, um, I'm from Philly. And so I went out to the West Coast, uh, to L.A., to Los Angeles, to uh, just kind of, you know, get out to the sunshine. I'd always wanted to. I traveled there many times working in the airlines. I said, let me give it a try. So I moved out to the West Coast uh, back in the 90s and uh, started work for one of the major airlines, a legacy airline carrier, which just means one of the old big-time airlines, and um, got with my coworkers, and I was inspired to create a children's character, and I was inspired by uh, one of my friends who went to uh, this super expensive uh, school that you guys on the West Coast, all of my friends out in California, you know the school is USC. And uh, there weren't a whole lot of, you know, uh, wealthy black kids out there who were going to U.S. You know, you had to have money, essentially, was my take on the folks, the kids that went to USC at the time. And so um, my friend, uh, who was ironically from New Jersey also, here on the East Coast, that I met out there in L.A. And uh, so shouting out to folks in Hackensack, New Jersey. So my friend, uh, John, and... Uh, I got to talk with John. John wrote, I was so proud of him. I'd never met anybody around my age who uh, worked for Billboard magazine on the West Coast out in uh, L.A., uh, which produces the Hollywood Reporter uh, newspaper, even to this day. They're still the same people on Wilshire Boulevard, uh, which I lived off of Wilshire in L.A. And so uh, John was working for, uh, you know, a Billboard magazine. And he had been, uh, they paid him extra, I guess, because he was already working there, to interview Queen Latifah. So um, I'm looking at his article, Queen Latifah. She's uh, an actress and and rapper from, uh, she's still out there doing a lot of things. Uh, And this was in the 90s. And Queen Latifah was mainly a rap uh, superstar at that time. And so he, they put him in Billboard magazine with this huge picture. And it's still available on the Internet, too, by the way, uh, this article that uh, he did. And so I was so proud of John. I was, like, so proud. 
And I said, if John, now John was also going to school at USC, as I mentioned. And so um, I was like, wow, if, if he can do this, there's got to be something I can do. And so um, I went into out in L.A., they have the apartment. And out there, it's a little different uh, than here where I am in Brooklyn, New York, and probably out there where you are as well, Mary. But uh, on the West Coast, uh, West Coast, out in L.A., the apartments all have like a little dressing room. So you may have, you've got a bathroom, and then you have a separate dressing room, which usually your bathroom lets into, and then you go into the rest of your apartment. Those were many of the apartments. You, you folks out there in L.A. know what I'm talking about. Well, that's very different here. I have never been into a, an apartment or even a house or anything on the East Coast that has a separate dressing room like that, <laughs> unless you've got a mansion somewhere. So right. out there, that was the typical, all these old apartments have that. So I went into my dressing room in Los Angeles uh, and recorded a children's show. I just said, you know what, let me just, I literally, in those days, you'd have a tape recorder. And I took a tape recorder and uh, just told the story of something that was off the top of my head. And I made up a story being so influenced by, uh, and I'll say that influence was from Winnie the Pooh, obviously, when I was a kid, uh, <laughs> right. that my mom bought me those stories. So I came up with the idea of Fluff the Bear. I never made that connection at the time, but looking back, and as we are now listening back, but, um, but yeah, I created the Fluff the Bear story on an audio tape. Uh, audio cassette for you guys from the last century uh, or the last couple Thank centuries. Um, yeah, so I created uh, a story called Fluff the Bear in which I was telling the story of a little child, um, a bear, uh, who has great friends or these two little friends, and uh, he went on a journey to fall asleep. So that was the whole story. Mm. That was the crux. Remember, it's for kids. You don't have to make it war and peace. It just has to make sense. Uh, to the little ones. And we didn't really talk down to them. We enjoyed uh, telling a story that the whole family could listen to. And so I took this idea to my colleagues at the airline, and uh, the airline allowed us, supported us. They did a big article of me in their uh, magazine, their aircraft, airplane magazine. So you guys oh, know I remember the those, yes. You remember the back seats of each airline, um, you know, you yes. sit there and pull up... Well, I was on page three. I'll never forget it for that month. And um, along with my colleagues at the airline, so we would voice the stories. And uh, that led to so many other things. But largely, they had a plaque of me on the airline wall of my accomplishments. Oh. So the magazine, uh, they had the picture, which I'll share with everybody. Uh, put it on, I put it on social media. I put it on our website at hairradio.com for everybody. Uh, but what was so astonishing is that no other employee had a plaque on the wall at the airline except me. And uh, <laughs> when I would fly on the airplane, you know, I would travel back from L.A. to my home, uh, my family and stuff on the East Coast, they would announce that I was on the airplane and to turn to page three so they could read the article and everybody <laughs> would clap on the airplane. Well, that did it for me. That did it for me. So that's how I kind of, uh, that kind of really brought me into it. And, you know, to think, and so I thank John for inspiring me to create Fluff the Bear. 
that went on to the success of the airline. And then the big news is the airline wanted me to develop uh, audio content for the airplane for children. So that led me to go to uh, end up on Sunset Boulevard in L.A. uh, at the same building where Atlantic Records was at the time. You guys, you know, may remember Atlantic Records. So I went out mm-hmm. to that building, um, and uh, because uh, somehow I got connected with a public relations firm. Back in those days, I didn't know PR. I didn't know what a publicist was like anybody else. I was just like, you know, just going through life. And uh, so I got connected with a public relations firm, and I remember going in that building and on the elevator looking out and seeing Atlantic Records on one of the floors and <laughs> like that. And uh, going up to the PR firm, and there were no black faces. Let me just just be honest with everybody. There were none. And I sat in a conference room. They all came in, and they connected me with an or an outfit that took radio. They had their own radio network, which I still remember. And they took my children's cassette. Um, idea, my children cassette, and turned it into a radio commercial. And they put that Mm -hmm. commercial of my cassette onto 875 stations advertisements. So we were in 875 markets talking about Fluff the Bear cassettes and the commercial, you know, the radio show and the, you know, get your own commercial. I'm sorry, get your own, buy your own cassette. So I, that was my first time being out in 875 markets at the beginning of this and the 90s. And so from there, I was discovered in part by uh, – I took that and turned it into a weekly theater show. And the gentleman who was one of the stars of the Amos and Andy TV show – now, remember, this is Los Angeles. He had opened up and created um, a very respected live performing theater called the Ebony Showcase in Los Angeles. And he was there with his wife and his daughter, Valerie. And his name was Nick Nick Stewart. Nicholas Stewart was one of the stars of uh, Amos and Andy. So um, I went to the theater. He loved me. They loved me there. And I got to know his family. And he allowed me to put on a Fluff the Bear live performing show on Saturdays, and that's what I did. So I had the radio show. By the way, the public relations firm introduced me to a radio station out in Glendale, California. So I was able to put on the very first uh, radio show that was on that in L.A. anyway at 7.30 in the evening uh, called the Fluff the Bear Radio Show. And from there, uh, that was all running kind of simultaneously with uh, the theater show from Nick Stewart uh, Theater, called, again, the Ebony Showcase Theater. What I loved about um, Ebony Showcase Theater, and again, you mentioned about the six degrees, is that uh, one of the board of trustees, he had Nick Stewart had all these uh, black celebrities uh, as trustees of his theater, uh, his board of trustees. And one of those individuals was, of course, guess who? Bill Cosby. Mm, Spike? Oh, Bill. Oh, my. So there you go, Miss Mary. (laughs) Wow. uh, Well, right now we're listening to uh, Air Radio Network. 
or which one are where we here radio well, morning show well, which, which degree are we in right now Gary? well that's the thing and i wanted to spell out the beginning so that's how the hair radio show had started so i got that impetus when i returned back home i took the success from all those cassette sales moved back to the east coast and opened up office space in downtown newark new jersey and uh mm-hmm. that's where i had my own uh staff i had all kinds of folks uh, helping me at that time with two assistants and again upstairs in newark it was really nice now um so i created the hair radio show at that time and the hair radio show was really just the idea of taking uh uh, I thought I would just have a hairstylist or two give out some hair tips, and that would be it. Uh, so I assembled a staff. Most folks don't know that I didn't host the first hair radio show, even on my own production. <laughs> wow. I had taken four uh, hairstylists. Two were doing what in those days we called natural hair, which is what it is, still is. But they would do, like, locks and twists. That's what they were known for in Orange, New Jersey. And one lady, uh, she was in Montclair, New Jersey, and she would talk about, like, the cosmetology side of hair, hair care. Mm-hmm. And then I had another gentleman who was a barber, and, but I think he also did, like, natural hair, but he was, like, a barber in that realm. And, um, and the four of them, along with I just produced the show, the first uh, hair radio show, I just produced it. And they would talk, and they were wonderful. I love them so very much. But um, you're looking back at the a lens uh, now that's very different than in 1995. In 1995, we all had to be in the same room to produce a radio show like that, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could dial in, but it was you had to go off to a radio station in those days. So it was so hard to connect everybody who was in different places, and they were awesome. I love them so very much. I wonder whatever happened to them. I'm going to see if I can find them uh, to uh, just to oh, say hi. Great. Yeah, that would be awesome. I'm going to try to do that. I'm so glad we're having this discussion this morning on the Hair Radio Show. Um, uh, but, yeah, that's how I started, and the only reason I said, well, I love the hairstylist giving tips, but let me see if maybe I could do it since, I couldn't get everybody as often as I wanted to. And I had schedules and things like that to adhere to for the radio uh, stations uh, that we were on down in in Newark, New Jersey. And so um, I said, I'll take over the hosting if they'll accept me. I'm thinking, uh, you know, as far as the public is concerned, I said, because I can look at it from the novice's point of view, which is probably the, the angle anyway that I wanted to have. I wanted to ask the questions. Genuinely, that folks who need to know, you know, would like to know, it's the same thing I wanted to know. And that's what I did. Mm -hmm. I started with that in mind. And I took over the reins of host of my own show and creation uh, for the hair radio show. And that's how I started. But, Mary, with that impetus, or with the thought anyway, that I was providing content for just the general public, I had no idea that <laughs> that the we were going to be taken over, so to speak, by professionals in the industry, by the product companies, by all kinds of folks coming on board, by the entertainment oh. folks even hijacked us. 
but I had yes. no Well, even just idea. talk about some of the products. Yeah, talk about some of the product connections and and people in the industry that um, have appeared or that you've worked with on uh, Hair Radio Network. Oh, absolutely. Well, and also just to wrap it up so you know what happened after that, because we went from the three-word title, the Hair Radio Show, to uh, the actual kind of like five-word title, which is the Hair Radio Morning Show. So um, as I said, back in 95, the the Hair Radio Show was created, and I'm very proud of that. And we started again with folks, uh, you know, the general public providing tips. But as we moved along, I left the industry, and, and, and I wasn't as steeped in the hair industry, let me just say that at that time. Um, I got inspired by the folks at Bronner Brothers, which I'm shouting out the Bronner Brothers folks. I'm great friends with uh, Bernard Bronner and all the people these days. But when I started, I didn't know them. So I went to the Bronner Brothers event down in Atlanta at that time and uh, had a chance. I was so inspired by seeing so many amazing people of color assembled, uh, great music blasting from through the rafters and all kinds of movement. <laughs> and it was the, I, I was so touched. And then I got to know a lot of the African-American hairstylists who were there. Uh, they were off in their rooms. It was like a convention and they invited me. They took me in and made me a part of their family. And that Wonderful. feeling is still with me today. And I have devoted myself to the uh, betterment of this community, um, and it's never waned. I'm still a person who cares very much for hairstylists and for hair people. Um, that will never change. And I'm glad that I've, I hope that I've represented the community well. And so that is how the Hair Radio Show began. And we brought it back in 2015 as a morning show, kind of like a, you know, Steve Harvey-ish, uh, you know, type radio show in which, uh, and I didn't know if it was going to be accepted. I said, you know what, three hours every day, weekdays, Monday, <laughs> Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, three hours a day live. Oh, my goodness. That's commitment. That's commitment. Mm-hmm. And that's how I started. And so I I began, uh, you know, producing that um, never having been on this particular uh, broadcast uh, platform. But I started, and I had some friends, and they walked me through how to turn the buttons and hit the different things because I'd never done it on that platform. And uh, I got started with show number one, which is still out there for folks to listen to. Um, But the issue with that is uh, there was a big difference from listening back then to those three-hour shows. Like, my first week was just chaos. I didn't know what I was doing and hitting different buttons and all of that stuff. Well, again, that was in 2015. And since then, uh, we've had quite success with it. Uh, we're talking about, you know, like close to 1,000 shows later. And so um, I'm just uh, so grateful I really am. So you ask about some of the guests who were on the show. Again, early on, it was just about giving hair tips. And so I would have on illuminated uh, hairstylists. So folks who had reached a certain level in the industry, as well as others who they were just sharing their success with other hairstylists who were on the way up. 
And I felt that all could contribute to better hair care for everybody. And that was the whole idea and the foundation of the hair radio show. But I do have to share this. It all sounds like, oh, it's perfectly normal to talk about hair on radio. Well, yeah, it sounds perfectly normal now because now. of something <laughs> called a podcast. But when I created and I first told individuals, I'm going to do a show called the Hair Radio Show, I was literally laughed at, literally to my face laughed at. I read a show about hair on radio? What? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants what? You just that gotta know who you are, right? Truth. Well, let mm-hmm. me tell you, Mary. That was how uh, it was looked at back in 1995. So no one knew of a word called podcast, in which podcasts talked about all kinds of a variety of subjects. Screwing in a light bulb can be a podcast. Well, nowadays that's accepted, but in my day. Again, there was no such thing as a podcast. We preceded the Internet. So there was nothing but talk like radio. And so um, I like to think of myself as, you know, the father of the podcast, if you will, because that's what it was. Oh, absolutely and, a pioneer. Right? Absolutely. Oh. And when you talk about um, it's your day, I mean, it's still your day <laughs> because oh, you have you. not stopped growing and you've expanded um, just tremendously. And the, and the topics and the range and how you tie things together, it's like uh, you, I, I know you have one book, but you need to make another book to explain kind of this rise and, and yes. uh, how you process because it is wow. amazing. Well, you're very kind. And, yes, I do have a couple of things out there uh, that's available for you guys to read, and I'll talk about that. But, Mary, that's the whole thing, and and talking about laughing um, at the idea and notion of talking about hair, uh, I remember hearing, uh, I was in Jersey, so the Northeast, and New York, the big newspaper, we have a couple, we have the big New York Times, which is a daily newspaper here for all the city, but we also had uh, the New York Daily newspaper, and that was just as popular out there. Now, these are not you know, I call, you know, um, throw papers for the urban side of town, if you know what I mean. So these were newspapers that reached across the board to every walk of life in New York City. And I remember uh, that the at that time, the reporter in New York, and the Daily Newspaper anyway, they used to do a section called Radio Something. It was a radio section. They used to talk about radio shows back then. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was doing, he had, the, I used to read the man's column. I was so excited that uh, we would be mentioned in his column one day. I was so excited. And so uh, that's what happened. I, I remember he printed uh, something about hair radio, but it wasn't all that kind. Uh, what he said was that, why would, here it is, here's the announcement to tune in the hair radio show, but um, why would uh, anybody really care so much hair is so esoteric that was the word he used i didn't know really <laughs> all that i'm gonna have to look that one up yes and i had to look it up then too but i knew it wasn't a pat on the back so to speak so um mm-hmm. i i was just happy that my uh, name was in the newspapers it was in, <laughs> literally in the new york daily newspaper just that one line or two and i didn't appear again in the new york daily newspaper until maybe 10 years later when I did uh, a 10-year celebration about the hair radio show, 
and it was done at this huge place uh, in Manhattan called the TV of Museum. Uh, let me get it right. The Museum of Television and Radio, of TV and Radio. Oh, wow. And I had never, this is not a place where you see a lot of folks from the hood going up into, okay, I'm going to just put it honest out there. Uh, and this was where they had been around for like years paying tribute to broadcast. And we're talking about broadcast, okay? And it is called, again, the Museum of TV and Radio. Now, they changed their name just recently to the Pelly Center. And uh, wow. and you can Google that out there. So they're still around, but they cha- had a name change since we were there. They allowed me to come in. I couldn't afford to rent the, the space. Uh, and they allowed me to do a special 10-year celebration in their location. Uh, wow. And I remember one of my good friends, uh, Marilyn Bell, who is, uh, she had a magazine called um, Black Elegance, B.E., that she was the editor of or behind uh, producing it. So she came to our event. So many other folks came to the uh, Museum of TV and Radio in Manhattan in New York City to our celebration, and it was wonderful. They had chairs you could all sit around and listen through the headsets and talk through their mics, and it was beautiful, a beautiful location. So I've got pictures of that, too. So that was my beginning. That was my beginning. So you ask about hair products and all of that in my book. I recognized that I had a lot to share. And it, and I still I tell all the fans of the show, even to this day, that um, it's got to be something that is real and true. And, um, you know, a lot of folks have gone on to emulate what I do or to be inspired by what I do. All that's wonderful and good and all of that. But it's uh, mine, it's flattery. But mine is really, truly organic. Like I tell people, well, you know, you're listening to the hair radio show, my three-hour live broadcast, uh, which is Monday through Friday uh, through Blog Talk. I said, you're listening to that from 6 to 9 New York time, 5 to 8 Central. Um, But that's only three hours uh, each day. I said, I literally am the hair radio show 24 hours a day. (laughs) This is not just well, something I turn on and turn off at the end at 9 o'clock when we go up the air that day. I'm literally living the life of the hair radio show. I do interviews. I book guests. I give people updates. I write down things. It is a full-on uh, operation, Mary, a full-on operation. So that was what I generally amazing. Do. I mean, you still have to take care of yourself. So thank goodness you finally established business hours. But uh, yes. I know even when business uh, per se is not uh, something you're engaging in, you are still wrapped up in business things. So it's, I mean, we all benefit from it. So thank you. Thank you. Yes. Well, you got it, Mary. And that's really how we started. Uh, the hair radio show then uh, morphed into the hair radio morning show. Uh, we're still there in that space. And then I turned that into a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week hair radio network. And what that was designed to do at the time, this was in the early 2000s when I first created the hair radio broadcast network is what I called it back then. Um, in which I would literally have a hair radio show going on around the clock. And that's mm-hmm. how I started. 
And that was way ahead of everybody, way ahead. The only issue at that time in the early 2000s is that many of the hair salons didn't have computers in our community. They might have had them in the other communities. We didn't have that many that I used to walk. I used to literally go and walk from salon to salon uh, in the Northeast. So this is not something, you know, I didn't just wake up and decide I'm going to do hair radio. I lived every drop. I wrote hand cards and would pass out things and walk and talk to people. I went anywhere I could find to get the ear of folks who would listen, literally. And so uh, that, that was my big thing. Uh, it really was. And I tried my darndest and kept beating the drum of the hair radio show out there. And we kept on, we kind of kept on going from there. And that was really the, the generic start of how things kind of picked up. And my 24-hour network, I started it, and I said, you know what? I even knew that that was too early and ahead of its time. And <laughs> I knew and felt it. I knew and felt it then. That was in like maybe 2000, I guess maybe 2003 or four, something like that. So years later, long after I created even the three-hour broadcast, Long after I created that, because when I tell people that we're on or about around a thousand broadcasts or what have you, it makes people think that I'm talking about my entire 25-year career or what have you, and I'm not. I'm only talking about the last several years as the morning version, the morning show, the wow. radio morning show. So um, what I've done, the difference between that original 24-hour network that I created, the Hair Radio Broadcast Network, even the sharpier listeners, some of our interviews are classic interviews from that time period. You'll hear me intro them as the Hair Radio Broadcast Network. Well, you guys know out there, I don't long, I no longer call it the Hair Radio Broadcast Network. I call it the Hair Radio Streaming Network. So we are streaming these days, and, uh, and I'll talk about that down the road, about the difference between broadcasting and streaming and all of that and somehow some parts are the same and so forth and so on. But our streaming network is what has really done amazing things. And so um, we're the first to have that, which is uh, based in hair and beauty. So I kept that thing going on our new version of this 24-hour network. But um, now I get to put on classic shows that I couldn't have done back then. I get to air the entire three-hour episodes from um, our amazing archive of uh, your radio morning show episodes. And so largely when you tune in, you have that opportunity to listen to some of that, to listen back literally to some of those classic episodes with amazing guest stars that you asked me about earlier. Those guest stars include folks like C.C. Tennyson, um, the amazing Dionne Warwick, who's, I mean, you're talking about folks who, Cece Tennyson is the queen of dance, um, you know, sold millions of records through Billboard. Uh, they kept uh, track of all of that. But Cece was one of the, the, the most sweetest celebrities. She was the very first celebrity that I think I interviewed ever uh, for radio. She was kind enough to come up to my production studio, I told you, in North New Jersey, and uh, she and her manager, she came there. It was a three-story walk-up. And I sent a limo for uh, Cece to come to our station in Newark, and she did. And uh, she was just extraordinary and sat down with us. Um, but the first time 
the first I think she came to the production studio and there was just one mic. So we were real close in those days, literally. Wow. And we mm-hmm. shared that one mic. And Cece was so sweet. She's the one out there, if you guys know, she had the big hit record called Finally and so many others. You know, we got a love thing and all these other songs that she had. Just huge success. And she's still out there, literally. So uh, Cece came to the studio and and did the the, uh, interview with us at that time. And she, like I said, she was the very first to come to the broadcast. And she had huge hit records and all of that. And so from her... I went on to interview uh, a lot of other music, local folks in music and all of that, but to have the kind of success that uh, I would later experience interviewing folks like Ray Goodman and Brown, uh, you know, uh, all those folks, they were on the show. And I think they, they started their radio show after coming to my radio show. But um, I went on to interview folks like Dionne Warwick and, Again, Melba Moore. You're talking about Grammy and Tony Award winning names. Um, Gerald Austin, who also won a Grammy. Uh, the, I also interviewed uh, the fellow from uh, The Four Tops. Um, uh, I interviewed so many people. Uh, and, and, and their assistants, like the guy, uh, Mary Wilson's uh, assistant. Yes, recently. Uh, yeah, that's right. Well, the great Mary Wilson, and um, again, we touch across the the landscape of entertainment and, um, you know, and and political world. I've interviewed folks from TV and movies and all that wonderful good stuff, and folks I've been most inspired by. But, yeah, Mary Wilson uh, that we lost not all that long ago, um, her last assistant was a big, uh, was a uh, wonderful fellow that, I had not known before this interview piece, and uh, he came to our show and told us the story. He was the person who discovered this amazing, incredible singer that she had passed, and um, you guys know Mary Wilson. She was one of the supreme singers, uh, literally singing right next to Diana Ross and and the uh, the other lady who was who had passed away earlier. Um, that they kind of made that movie, we're talking about Florence Ballard, who they kind of made that movie mm-hmm. Dreamgirls about. So all this. So, um, yeah, I've been able to tell the stories, and that's the other thing that goes back to all of this success, is that being able to allow folks to come on this broadcast and tell their stories um, about their amazing connections with some of these superstars so who else did we have? We've I've literally interviewed folks that I really wanted to know about. My other favorite well, big one. Go ahead, Mary. Were you going to say something? I was, was going to ask. Well, you. who were some of your favorites? I know one of <laughs> one one of them that I found really entertaining, and it might just be because of the story. Um, was the um, glue girl? It wasn't. It wasn't oh, her, but the one who ooh. helped her remedy her her issue. Yeah, um, well, that's a good one. That's a juicy You're just one. always really progressive. Yes. Well, let me tell you, uh, I've had many folks, everybody from uh, being on radio literally live with the White House when Michelle Obama was in the White House, her stylist, Johnny Wright at the time, uh, who went on to do a, his own TV show on VH1, um, with friends of mine as well from the West Coast. But, um, but yes, Johnny was on our show. 
he literally told us all about uh, being Michelle Obama's hairstylist at the White House, and that was just incredible. Uh, I think at the time, also one of the biggest folks was uh, Beyonce's hairstylist, uh, Beyonce's hairstylist, Beyonce's dad, um, who was on our show, Matthew Knowles. And Matthew came to the Hair Radio Morning Show uh, as a guest. He had no idea uh, what we were really about. And when he got on, as many of you guys have heard his interview with us, he was so impressed, I think, because he had a chance to reconnect with his roots. And he told us about when Beyonce was a little girl and he had his family and his ex-wife, Tina Knowles. Uh, they had that hair salon uh, out in the Houston area. So um, I, these were opportunities for me to tell, uh, let them tell their stories. And, uh, but one of my favorites, because that's, I think, your question also was that the gentleman from, the gentleman from uh, who uh, was over at CBS worked with the Good Times uh, TV show. Um, uh, John Amos? To, well, he worked with all of those people. Uh, John is still somebody I follow on social media to this day uh, out of northern New Jersey. But, no, the gentleman's name is Eric Monte. And um, you guys, I was a little kid watching um, Good Times and the Jeffersons and and what's happening and what's happening now and all that stuff. And I remember every time I would look at the episodes, I'd see the name on my screen, Eric Monty. And I said, who in the world's name is Eric Monty? And that's, I never knew who it was, but I always wondered who this Eric Monty was. And uh, I, I, it took years before I would figure out that it said the creator, Eric Monty. And so that's all I knew. Uh, to me, Norman Lear, who was the Caucasian gentleman, was the person who uh, created these characters. That's what I thought. But uh, it did have his name there. It said Eric Monty and also the gentleman who played uh, Mike, who played Michael, well, uh, well, let me just make it clear. It was Mike Evans and Eric Monty. Mike Evans mm-hmm. was the one who played Lionel, Lionel number one on the Jefferson's TV show with the Afro. They later oh, had a you know, I am remembering now because he wrote for it. Yes, I'm remembering now. Exactly. Wow. Well, he was one of the co-creators of I mean, it's so, it's an interesting story that I tell and I've played on the Hair Radio show, and I'll get it on sometime for you guys when you go over to our 24-hour streaming network at www.hairadio.com. You'll hear the story being told over there. But, yes, to get to the point of that, uh, Eric Monty uh, and and Mike Evans uh, went out to Los Angeles uh, to pursue uh, show business careers. And... uh, they both ended up connecting with uh, this producer who is a super producer named Norman Lear. He's still with us. And, um, you know, and uh, so Mike Evans and Eric Monty, and Eric Monty went on himself to create um, a movie that is, of anybody of a certain age, uh, it is identifiable with our culture called Cooley High. Well, he wrote based on his life. And so Eric, um, Eric um, and Mike, and again, Mike Evans, if you guys remember on the TV show Good Times, 
the family's name was Evans. Well, that's why it was yep. named Evans, because it was named after Mike Evans. And the little kid's name was Michael. That's why yep. his name was Michael Evans. He was named after Mike Evans, the actor and the writer. So um, so that went on, and, uh, and the whole story uh, unfolded. And we were so lucky to have uh, this amazing – when I came back to radio – uh, as I told you, I came back to the morning show and created a three-hour broadcast called the Hair Radio Morning Show back in 2015. Um, I had the opportunity to interview one of my childhood heroes, and that is the Aww. incredible Eric Monty, who welcomed me back to radio. And uh, wow. along with his, yeah, so that meant uh, the world to me to have and Eric Monty provided a special message to all the fans of the broadcast. So that is something that I will always take with me. And that happened around the same time, uh, the end of 2014, when the New York Daily newspaper, remember I told you about the two earlier times, I had brief mentions in the, that newspaper. But this time, at the end of 2014, they dispatched a big-time writer and photographer to my home area right here in Brooklyn where I still live uh, and produce everything to uh, do a big story on me. That's out there on the Internet. It's out there, Carrie Hines, New York Daily News article. And uh, that, that is still out there, and they did a big story on me. That was the same day that I got to interview uh, the Reverend Jesse Jackson. And so uh, – and his words were, what is the hair radio show? <laughs> I never will forget that. But, um, but yeah, that, that kind of told me, you know what, maybe you're getting somewhere, Carrie. So when I came back to do the live show, uh, the three-hour morning show, that's the actual title of the New York newspaper, the New York Daily newspaper. They wrote, Brooklyn hosts to revive hair radio show online. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's out there on the internet just like that. So, um, wow. you know, I, I'm very grateful. And that was one. I also uh, had some of the publications, like the New York Amsterdam newspaper did a big story of me as well. And so, um, and I've appeared in different magazines, um, hair magazines, you know, the salon operator newspaper, and a big, big uh, publication called American Salon Magazine, which I think they're connected with a big international beauty show here in New York. They've had me on their magazine covers and for the events and all of that. Um, I'm still connected with a lot of these people. We've become great friends over the decades. Just been doing amazing things. But, yeah, that's been my life. That's been my life. Wow. And I didn't know I had so much to say. Oh, wow. I bet we could go on and, and have more <laughs> episodes of Olympic yeah. Back. Cause, uh, you, just, you just scratched the surface of what even I know. So yeah. I just thank you for, like, like putting in all the work, all the time, all the effort, and enjoying it, making us enjoy uh, the journey, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. It's amazing. Well, Mary, before we go, I just want the folks to know how appreciative I am for you to take the time to give me a chance to tell more of my story. A lot of the fans don't know these things. I've never shared them like this. And um, I wanted to take a moment to say how inspired I am 
uh, for making the acquaintance of Mary Reed Johnson and bringing you to the Hair Radio Network. And I know, uh, I know a little bit about Hairhead Heart, but what can you fill us in to tell us with before we say goodbye? What can you tell us about Hairhead Heart? So I'm going to switch the table well, back around. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now put me on the spot. Well, generically, uh, hair, head, and heart has to do, you know, top down, hair, literally, the mind, the, the things that go into uh, thinking about not only processes, but, uh, you know, how to make your career better. So business development, career development, that type of thing. So hair, head, and then the heart is the passion that, not only I have, but the people who are service providers in the industry um, to make that just um, better. So anything concerning hair, head, and heart, I uh, offer services still. I'm not sure how many more I'll be doing that, but I still offer services, and I'm licensed as an instructor as well as a service provider in Michigan and Minnesota. But um, I'm offering more and more workshops because it's easier to reach people these days. And so, um, you know, look for different things online, and I'll keep you posted as that. All right. Well, on that note, I'm saying thank you to Mary Reed Johnson, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much, Mary. Outstanding. Great job. You're listening to the all-new Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hines, and I am so excited to welcome back to the broadcast today our incredible uh, special guest host, guest contributor. You guys know her from Hairhead Heart. Well, I am so excited to uh, just to have her back to talk on this very particular topic that she does. It's really like a series that she does exclusively for us. At the Hair Radio Morning Show, it's her 10 things you should know. So who gets the treatment today? It is a gentleman that we just uh, recently lost. Of course, we're talking about the mega, mega superstar in the way of uh, black hair care, Dr. Willie Morrow. So uh, Mary Lee Johnson, uh, good morning, and welcome back to the Hair Radio Morning Show. Absolutely glad to be here. It's it's always yes. um, just exciting. Yes. I just appreciate yes. you. Well, back at you. And we're going to find out all about what's new with you and Hairhead Heart coming up a bit later. So first, uh, Mary Reese, I've got to jump in. What on earth? Now, listen, I, I thought I knew uh, just about everything about Dr. Willie Morrow. Um, and just to tell you quickly, uh, yeah, I had uh, interviewed him like literally decades ago. Uh, we're talking over about, uh, well, here's my age going out there, but about 20-something years ago, literally. And uh, his daughter and I have been friends like ever since. Uh, Cheryl Morrow uh, is just, um, has been an incredible beacon in my little life and, and uh, the fans. You guys have gotten to know her. She's been on the Hair Radio Morning Show uh, many, many, many times. And um, just that her family and, and what they represent and what she represents, and she's carried the torch. Um, you yeah. know, uh, I call her literally hair royalty. You'll always hear that. Um, that's how I refer to her because, uh, you know, to me, uh, Dr. Marvel's uh, the hair king. So i um, real excited. So I can't wait to hear what Mary B. Johnson has put together for us today. 
So Mary, read well, Johnson, take it away. All right. Well, number one, um, legends never die. So even right. though, even though he's not physically here with and, us. And we're starting at number 10, right, Mary? We're yes. going to count down. Yes. So this is number 10. Uh, yes. Um, in recognition of that, I'm going to say everybody's got to lay hands on CBS Sunday morning. There was just a small tribute uh, to him, and and uh, I think that's important. So look at the July 17th, if yeah. you can find it, yeah. CBS Sunday yeah. morning, and you'll see a little bit about Yeah, you can YouTube the guys out there, so yeah. Yeah. So okay. I think that's always good. So that would be my number 10. But he had a, a lot of layers, so we're going to chop into some of those layers that um, Willie represented. And one of them ties into what you mentioned already about his uh, daughter, Cheryl. So one of the things Willie had was a newspaper, and uh, it was called the San Diego Monitor, and he actually. Um, you know, ran it for many years, and then his daughter Cheryl took it over. So I think that's another interesting fact about Willie. Absolutely. In fact, the San Diego, the San Diego Monitor News uh, that mm-hmm. Cheryl does, she has taken over that, which has been incredible, um, and it's a great digital brand. I, I usually get the digital version online uh, and read. Uh, Cheryl herself always has a unique way of looking at things. And uh, she's been able to do some incredible things with this. And she's, uh, you know, I, I kind of always think of her as uh, kind of almost like the same as, you know, the story with Nat King Cole and then you got Natalie and her success. That's what mm-hmm. Cheryl has always put me in the mind for, lack of a better, you know, different way to say it. But that's what she's always put me in the mind of, just someone who's carried the beacon on, um, you know, from a, a very successful dad. So So this is the type of thing, and you don't have to always come from royalty. I'll say fact number eight would be that uh, he came from, now he had two children, but he came from a fairly large family by these standards. Really? He he was one of eight children. Wow. Yes. And... um, yeah, now, tied to that. Where he's from? Was he born out in California? Uh no, he was he was from Alabama. Oh, okay. Yep, and his wow. mother and father's uh, mother and father, excuse me. I'm going to say that they would be the next one, number seven. They were sharecroppers, and you know what a sharecropper oh. is. Well, I I definitely remember. Wasn't the sharecropper the folks who uh, after? Slavery ended, uh, maintained the land uh, yep. for people to, you know, to have, uh, you know, their arms and stuff like that. But yep. uh, tell us, yeah, tell us what your research uh, reveals. Well, that's exactly. Are- so his parents, like, he he created a, a legacy and royalty, but he came, he didn't come from that, is what I'm saying. But it doesn't matter. It's like if you are... Uh, of sound mind and and have intent to to do better for the world around you than you can. He didn't let anything stop him. Wow. Well, I'm just, yeah, I'm impressed with that. I really am. And to 
You know, I have to say, to hear so many incredible folks in the hair and beauty industry uh, talk so lovingly of of Dr. Morrow's uh, commitment to the hair and beauty industry and what he has done for so many. I'm raising my hand as well. Um, He's always been uh, someone that I have modeled my career and life after as well. And everybody I know, we all, you know, look up to Dr. Morrow. <laughs> you know, everybody I know in the hair business. So this really? has been, yeah, it's really big. So thank you, Mary, for doing this. This is this helps us to put his life into perspective. And we want oh, to yeah. do that as a very special tribute on our broadcast. Yes, like uh, a lot of people didn't know about the uh, the magazine or the, the newspaper. Right. The they didn't know where he came from. But I bet you they definitely didn't know uh, number, I think we were at seven, number seven or nine. six. I, I've lost count okay. already. Okay. But, well, that's okay. okay. We'll give a bonus. <laughs> this is a bonus. It might be extra. But um, he also wrote several books. He had uh, at least uh, about a dozen books. Wow. Now, are these books out there on the Internet or through? uh, Some of them still are. Yep, some of them still are. Uh, There was one that he wrote that had to do with how to cut hair, you know, Afro hair, you know, from the time he was in the military or he helped the military. He actually did a book about that? I didn't know that. Yep, it was a manual on how to properly cut textured African-American hair. that one I think you can still find. Let me look up the title. The title was The Principles of Cutting and Styling Negro Hair. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So, so that was that was that was mainly for military um people on military bases and in combat zones. So can you imagine? Wow. Yes. I I heard he was contracted by the Department of Defense uh to yep, do just exactly. that to teach and, and educate them. And I uh, and I know Michael Hopkins from the Vet Talk Show has talked about it as well uh, on his broadcast. Uh, this is really incredible for me to know. I, I love everything about Dr. Morrow. Uh, every detail. This is. I just you know I see myself uh, in in you know I see glimpses of of the work that I attempt to do. If it somehow can just, you know, even uh, be measured <laughs> to some degree uh, in some kind of, you know, well, and comparison, I'm just impressed. Yeah, that's you know? exactly it. You you know, mm-hmm. you can start from anywhere. Because even though he got a, a contract with the Department of Defense, like you mentioned, he was initially, as far as a barber, he was self-taught. So that is wow. another fact that people don't know. Now, that I didn't know. Nope. Really? Yes. So he self-taught and then, you know, grew whatever. I don't know. I, I haven't found a clear answer on when he decided to get formal training. But my, I'm not even sure even by the I time mean, he. I might have been grandfathered in, you know, how they grandfathered a lot of the folks who were out there for so long when they started regulating it were, you know, on. Well, I could get that, but it's like, how in the world? Do you get a government contract? People you know, spend years trying day. to get a government contract. That's what I was about to say. And back in the day, now I now it's even more prevalent to some degree, 
But mm-hmm. uh, but back in the day, <laughs> you know, when nobody's even. Join the Hair Radio online community. It's free to be a member. It's social media for the hair and beauty industry. Great space for entrepreneurs to meet new customers, network with new friends, upload pictures, make, like, read, and share posts about hair, beauty, and business, and more. Go to hrmember.com to sign up. Coming soon. Don't miss the brand new hair radio streaming network show, I Love the 90s. Take a listen back to interviews of the biggest names in music, including CeCe Peniston. Tony Terry. It's for real, and of course, Destiny's Child. Tune in and enjoy the memorable moments with the Hair Radio and their lineup of amazing artists telling their stories, giving insights, and of course, talking hair and beauty right here on Hair Radio. All right. It's Friday morning, September 30th of 2022. It's uh, our show number 765. Welcome mid-show. It's about 7.36 in the morning, New York time. Uh, For you folks out in the central time zone, it is 7.36 in the morning, and we're glad to have you guys with us. I've been listening, and apparently you have too. Uh, if it's mid-show, it's time to get on Candle Talk and uh, Michael Hobson. Uh, Michael Hobson. Michael Hobson, of course, will be with us in just a bit from Vet Talk Radio Show. Uh, so listen, yes, we're jumping on into the fray literally this morning. I uh, want to also take a moment to catch up with Blue. You guys know she is the proprietor behind Divine Energy Candles out of Jacksonville, Florida, and we're going to also ask her about, the, of course, what's happening down here weather-wise and all that wonderful good stuff. Uh, in, it's my great honor. Let me just lead in with that. Uh, good morning, Blue. It's scary high. Uh, happy mid-show to you. Good morning. Good yes, morning. Happy mid-show to you as well. How are you today? Yes, I'm doing okay. You know, every day that we make it past uh, with all the storm and the aftermath, we have to talk about mm. it. It's the elephant in the room when we're speaking with oh, someone God. who is in Florida. So uh, mm-hmm. how are you doing? And uh, what's going on in Jacksonville, Florida these days? Divine I am Queen holding Queen. up out here. I tell you, Carrie, I'm holding up out here. We had a lot of winds. Uh, yesterday, all day, um, to the tune uh-huh. of uh, trees and big branches, not baby branches, but really huge branches dropping on people's cars. They woke up with oh. car damage, house damage, oh. you know, and I'm speaking about in my area um, in Jacksonville, wow. not including wow. all over, uh, you know, Florida. Yeah. Um, we had yeah. St. John River flood, um, so we had some flooding on my street for sure. But just because wow. of the St. John River, and that's close to the Riverside area, they got hit the hardest. But with me being on the main, one of the main streets, it definitely got down here. Um, and wow. so, yeah, yeah, the rain yeah, and some of the, the water, yeah, yeah, and the water, um, it was about 2.48 feet of water. Um, and that's not the highest. It got definitely higher than that. But um, wow. you were able to see your feet, you know, 
underneath wow. the water. That's, you know, how deep it was on my end. But, yeah. Oh. So the sun is coming, it's though. The sun is coming today. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's listen, our hearts, you know, and right on the Hair Radio Morning Show, every day after we talk with you and we do our live chat, uh, folks are contacting us, and there's rarely a day that they don't express an interest in what you're doing. Uh, I right. think you're one of those uh, most interesting people at Hair Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Well, I'm happy that they are enjoying what we have to offer. You know, that means a lot. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Absolutely. And speaking of what we have to offer, what is going on? We want to talk about the candle of the day. Yes, we have something to Yeah, of course, Carrie, sure. Today we are going to have us a little creme brulee. Yes, we're going to have us a little creme brulee. We're going to break through the crunchy caramelized sugar crust into that classic dessert. Oh, okay. Uh, well, Turn into a fragrance oil. For <laughs> yes. yes, yes, yes. Let's break through that crunchy caramelized sugar crust. And um, mm. for the creme brulee, it has featured top notes of a lightly torched sugar and a hint of coconut for giving way to a rich, creamy custard heat. Um, and then a dash of rum elevates uh, the vanilla and maple base. Indulge in your senses with the creme brulee. Oh, my So let's God. talk about the top notes. <laughs> let's yeah. talk about our top notes, middle notes, and our base notes, if we will. Our top yeah. note is coconut and caramelized sugar. Our middle mm. note is rum and custard, and our base note is vanilla maple. Mm. All my favorite mm-hmm. things. I like every <laughs> day. Now, honestly, uh, I'm just blown away with the candle talk. I love it. Uh, these are things that it's inspiring, and that was yes. one of the reasons why we wanted to do candle talk every day on the show, especially mid-show. Uh, yes. It gives us a chance to kind of, yeah, to it, it shapes our day on the broadcast, uh, mm-hmm. and it makes us think of something that we probably wouldn't have thought. Like you right. literally yes. bring different ideas and things, uh, and it, it, it kind of uh, awakens our senses. Absolutely. You know, and that's, that's what candles should do. Yeah, I yeah, believe that candles are something that should definitely um, uh, take you back to one of your um, sense is the strongest tie to memory. So if you have a good scent and it takes you back to some place that was uh, a really uh, a nice staple in your life or something, then that's a really good candle yeah. for you. You know what I'm saying? You can sit back and think about great times, good moments, you know. I'm loving it. I say and life I'll is short. Buy, buy the shoes, drink the wine, and order the candles, honey. Oh, <laughs> right. Doesn't get any better than that. It no. does not get mm-hmm. any better than that. I bet Blue, mm-hmm. you can't even imagine your life without candles these days. <laughs> I cannot because I use home. them every day. Yes. I use them every yes. day. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And same thing here. It is how I, like I was just saying about shaping your day, to me, mm-hmm. that's how you shape your day. 
I like yeah. I like uh, what we do. I don't just love it. I really do enjoy it. And that is the mm-hmm. whole show. We want to take your morning experience. That's why we get up early and put on this broadcast every day. We Absolutely. want to shape your experience. And uh, I think we're doing a pretty good job. And so yeah, uh, most just people... a reminder, please. Yeah. Uh, I think it's good. And listen, all that you're contending with at this time, you're dealing with uh, this awful storm, uh, Ian, down there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Folks are in real bad shape, and, you know, we just get up and we do the show and just try to, you know, give them something, you know, you guys, something else to focus on that is positive. That can really, you know. Yeah, so that's the thing. Well, listen, we are going to get on. It's time for the hopper. I call him the hopper. You guys know him out there. <laughs> he is Michael Hopkins uh, from uh, beautiful Spotsylvania, who just is always enamored with uh, your candle talk. Let me get yes. to the line. Yes, Michael Michael Hopkins, the host of Vet Talk Radio Show. Uh, you're on with Blue, the Queen of Candles, and Gary Hines, the King of Just. Uh, I don't know what I, I'll, I'll have to come up with something. The King but of Michael Radio. Just, <laughs> oh, okay. Wow, that that's a tall order. I don't know about that. Yes, the King oh, of Hair Radio. I like a plan so going. far. Oh, yes, you the King guys of Hair Radio. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Just oh, absolutely awesome. Well, Michael, did you hear what Blue said today? Creme brulee. I remember that. Serving that on the airplane. Creme brulee. Wow. Yeah, she's making me, you know, Blue is making me hungry right now with this last (laughs) episode. I didn't know whether to be here on the show or go into the kitchen and whip up something. <laughs> right. Uh, a little prim brulee, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you, but, but you know, in all seriousness, Blue just brings with the candles. I have become mm-hmm. so educated about yeah. candles. And that's Absolutely. what I love about what she does. She, she has mastered the candle and yes. how it works yes. and the, 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 like she was talking about the smells and, and the I can attest to that. Yeah. Oh. Yes, things like that. It does yes. bring you back. It, it brings you yes. back. It might bring you back 10, 20, 40 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's Absolutely, right. Michael. That's Absolutely. I hadn't even thought about that. See, I was thinking yeah. of it shaping your day going forward, but you actually hit on a very good note, literally, that it kind of yeah. reminds you of where you've been. People love a scent that can make memories come alive. So okay? true. Um, People love a scent that can make memories come alive. You know what I'm uh, saying? Bring you back to that special time in your life. That Touch your spot. soul. Wow. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. You guys That's are going fine. deep today. <laughs> oh yeah, we about you know, we about Ryan. ten miles right now. I'd say. <laughs> I tell you, yeah. it is lovely. It really is, and I just always have to say, you know, we are so fortunate to have this broadcast. We really are. 
And coming up this morning, uh, we're bringing back to the line. You know, I, I just, I fear one day I'm going to wake up and, and Dr. Paul Dyer is going to like, I'm out. Uh, that's it. You guys have chased me out. But no, he is just a ball of uh, fresh energy uh, that's been injected uh, here on the show. So we just love him. He's doing a great job uh, in the spotlight hour on Thursdays and Fridays. He'll be with us in just a bit. And then, then I'm going to keep my fingers crossed, but uh, I think we have a surprise guest caller this morning. So we're going to see what happens and how it all plays out. You don't want to to go anywhere. Now, now, Blue, before we let you go, on Friday, you usually give us uh, kind of like a synopsis of the week. Uh, some great, uh, you know, review of uh, the week, uh, you know, things that you inspired this week with the amazing Divine Energy candles. Divine Energy luxury candles, that's why I love the commercial. So um, what can you tell us this week? And also at the end of the week and sending everybody off. To me, October 1st, uh, you guys know tomorrow's October 1st, and it, it just feels like it's a shift out there. So uh, mm-hmm. is there is there just in the energy at Divine Energy Candles? <laughs> oh, so does the candles bring a about shift. a whole new? Yeah. So talk to us about yes. all of that, Blue. Yes. This time of year, everything seems like it is shifting, and so does yeah. our candle line as far as you know what we're producing for the customer, what they right, want right. as far as the scent because we're going from summer to fall and autumn, autumn and yeah. fall. So you gotta yeah. go from the real loud and um spicy stuff to, you know, toning it down more to the earthy tones, um yeah. the more uh fall scent, you know, something and the that, rich like colors, you said, right? it's gonna wake up. Aren't yeah, they? exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rich, rich colors. Wow. Yes, well, yes. I'm loving this. I do a lot of browns. Um, I do a lot of browns and blacks, and um, people love their reds and their purples still. But oh, for the most part, oh, we're doing yes. the softer. <laughs> mhm. Yeah. Yeah. This is true. Beautiful. Oh, listen, I'm always excited. DivineEnergyCandles.com. DivineEnergyCandles.com. You guys want to check it out? Uh, Blue has an amazing collection there for you guys. And I'm excited to add the Carapy Kindle. We're going to be talking about that um, over the next week or so. So listen, mm-hmm. Blue, outstanding every day uh, right here on the Hair Radio Morning Show. So I, I'm looking forward to Tuesday morning and our candles, yes. uh, our new rollout for next week in the beginning of the month. So okay, uh, it's going yes. to be real exciting. Yes. So great yes, job, yes, as thank always. You, you are you, helping Carrie. to inspire the folks out there on this show. Now, Michael, speaking of Tuesday, you begin a whole new rollout for Vet Talk Radio Show. It's your second season, and um, I think it's your fourth episode. So um, what are you you're hoping to bring to everybody next week? What are you looking, trying to pull together for Tuesday's broadcast? Wow. I, I went back in the archives. Yes. Of what we did in season one, the annals of season one. Yeah, yeah, the annals of season one. And what I found is, I'm going to go back and talk about how veteran 
can get the hundred percent rating. I'm going to go mm. back and look at that, and I'm going to it, there's some new things that have come about. Right, and we're going to touch on those things. It's going to be very okay. exciting. It sounds like it. So you're going to be sharing uh, some updates on getting up to the 100%. Uh, and this is for the disabled that, um, you know, once uh, they have concluded their service commitment and all of that. Um, so everybody can enjoy the show. That's what I love about the Vet Talk radio show. Everybody can enjoy it. And uh, so I think you guys are going to do just that. Michael, keep us informed. We'll be checking in with you. And then even over the weekend, guys, don't forget, you can go over to UpstillMagazineRadio.com and listen around the clock. So I think that's going to be really great. Hey, I've got a quick uh, piece that we're going to get on with Fred Nardi. He was the, um, and still is, an incredible uh, hairstylist out of Manhattan who worked with all the big shots, uh, from Madonna to President Kennedy's wife. And a great friend of mine, he's been right here in my home studio. So I'm super excited to find this interview and get it on for you. Again, Fred Nardi is up next. And then uh, we're going to roll right on into some live chat uh, for the hour with none other than Dr. Paul Dyer and the surprise. So stay with us. We've got a lot to get to this morning. You're listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hines. I have a very special Guess with us today, he comes from the golden era of beauty in New York City. The Hair Radio Morning Show is proud to welcome the one and only Mr. Fred Nardi of Nardi's Fame Salon. Good morning. Good morning to you, Mr. Nardi. Good morning. How are you, Carrie? Well, I'm doing great. It's, it's great to catch up with you again. It's been a while. It's been a while. And we go back a little bit here. Uh, with you in the Hair Radio Morning Show. Yeah, quite a few years. Yes, that's right. Well, listen, I want to talk about those days. I want to talk about uh, the same salon, which was located right here in New York City. I'm in Brooklyn, New York, but there's a far cry from uh, where your salon was located over on 57th Street <laughs> in Manhattan. I mean, this is the, the uh, quite honestly, this was the most wealthiest zip code in the entire United States of America. So you were um, located, you know, Nardi's was located in these, um, just very well identified with 57th Street. How did it feel to be located in that amazing area, you know, right near Bloomingdale's and all of that wonderful good stuff? How, do, how did that feel, Mr. Nardi? Well, uh, the um, the location uh, made it uh, possible for us to uh, serve as our clientele, which uh, uh, was, we've been basically on 57th Street uh, uh, quite a few times. We have moved uh, uh, location uh, from the, um, we go back to the 70s. Wow. Um, when uh, we first got the, the, the first salon on 57th and Madison Avenue, where the IBM building is now. And then from there, we were there quite a few years, and uh, we were uh, always inspired for for the big city and and hair and and the fashion of the New York and and, and all that. Those were really the days of uh, uh, the hairdressing and the Studio Fifty Four and 
and and all the uh, uh, good living. (laughs) The fancy living, I want to say. We're talking about the true golden era. I mean, you, Nardi Shop, I've got to talk about Nardi Salon. You guys uh, serviced everybody. And when I say everybody, I mean everybody. You had a long list of celebrities that includes uh, you know, that included the likes of Joan Collins and her sister, sister Jackie Collins, um, and so many others, Anthony Newley, uh, so many others who uh, were associated with that era. And one of my, a couple of my superstar favorites, too, like Dick Cavett, uh, who uh, is, I've learned a lot from, from watching uh, Dick Cavett's show shows and all of that wonderful good stuff, and so many others, you know, Joe Clayburgh, so yes, many others. Yes. What can you tell us? Because one of the most famous uh, of your clients, and I understand Madonna also used to go there to get waxes. So um, some of your most famous clients, uh, probably the most famous of all, was uh, married to one of our presidents, uh, the amazing Jackie Kennedy uh, Onassis. Yes, yes. Uh, she, uh, she was regular in our salon for many, many years. Uh, and uh, she she was very low low key going uh, into our salon. She felt so uh, comfortable at her home. Uh, there was never any publicity over uh, that until later on in life, you know. Uh, and that's why she felt very uh, at home in our place. Wow. And I remember, uh, uh, you know, because I've been around a while, I remember when she was alive and uh, she also worked in publishing towards the end. But I was always amazed by the uh, charisma of this this woman and uh, just her strength and, and beauty and all that fancy, just, you know, just such an amazing lady uh, who was a very family-oriented person. We could all see that. Now, I yes, have to yes. ask you, yes, because it's not just so much that you were one of, like, the, um, you know, um, close hairstylist and beauty uh, beauty parlor place, so to speak, that she frequented. I mean, um, she was really someone who uh, believed in your products and what you also had. I mean, she was coming there for a service and a treatment. And so I want you to tell everybody, because not... You know, we uh, folks know about Nardi Salon, and we know the history in um, in uh, New York City. But what folks may not realize is that you have a very special product that's out there, and it's been out there. It's the same formula that uh, was used for Miss Jackie uh, Kennedy Onassis, and uh, yes, this uh, is the Nardi Royal Nourishing Cream. I want you to tell us, tell the fans of the show about what exactly is Nardi Royal Nourishing Cream. Well, this uh, this cream is uh, it's a special uh, nourishing cream that keeps the skin uh, very youthful and very uh, vibrant, and uh, um, and it's easy to apply and to maintain a uh, young-looking uh, skin, uh, and it's it's almost like a healing of any impurity. Uh, create by nature uh, that uh, this cream by by just using it it, it just uh, works wonders uh, and just the ingredients uh, that 
it has. And this creed, actually, it was uh, uh, given to us to produce and use it for her. Uh, the ingredients were given to her uh, uh, by the Queen of England. Uh, and uh, and so we reproduced it for her, and she told us to use it as we wish. Wow. And that's what we did. And, and still today, I use it for myself and and give it to our clients. Well, I I have to. I'm going to count myself in that bunch because I'm getting me some <laughs> Nardi Royal Nourishing Cream. Uh, I am. I think this is amazing. And I have to tell you, Fred Nardi, let me just remind everybody, if you're just joining us, you're listening to the all-new Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hines, and, and I'm chatting today with someone who is a very good friend of the Hair Radio Show, and I think you've been with us maybe once or twice before, Mr. Fred Nardi, of uh, the famed Nardi Salon that uh, is so identified with the golden era of New York and beauty, and as you mentioned, yeah. Studio 54 and all those wonderful celebs of that era. And I have to say, um, I'm just blown away at the list that goes on and on and on with the folks who frequented uh, your shop, all of these amazing celebrities. But you also, you guys also worked on everybody. You did, you know, you didn't have to be a superstar to come in and get your hair done. Um, You know, so that is amazing that you were able to mix all those folks. But I believe you guys had some private rooms, am I right? And an upstairs and all this stuff. Yeah, so we we had like three floors of glass salons. Three floors. And, um, well, we we had different departments, and that's why we choose that uh, that spot on 57th Street. It was uh, very easy to access. It was just a walk away from uh, Bloomingdale. And uh, in fact, uh, uh, Miss Bloomingdale used to be uh, also a client of our, our facialist. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and, and so many other, even Marcella Borghese, uh, Princess Marcella Borghese was uh, a client of mine, uh, 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 when she was in New York, she lived in the East Side. Wow. Well, one yeah. of the gentlemen who, one gentleman who just recently passed here, um, well, passed recently, name is Hugh Downs, and you guys remember him from 2020. Uh, oh, sure. So, sure. Yeah, Hugh Downs was also uh, a client. One of your clients, right? Wow. Yeah. So, and amongst many others, actors like uh, Brian Dennehy and all these other amazing folks out there. Yeah, which uh, sadly he just passed. Uh, Brian yes. was a very yes. good friend. Brian Dennehy. Yes, but the this interesting thing, uh, Mr. Nardi, is that the legacy that these actors and all of this, uh, these folks from that era have uh, left us. They've left a treasure trove of work. And I can count you in that group as well, because not only that, with the, this amazing product that you're doing and the, ama- the amazing history uh, and legacy of the uh, Nardi Salon, but also you were mentioned in a book. I seem to, and I see some articles on the Internet that are just mind-blowing here, but tell us a little bit about the folks who included you in this book that uh, mentions either the famous salon. Uh, yes, uh, there was a, a book I wrote uh, uh, by Jackie Onassis, and uh, and they mentioned us because our salon 
was uh, the place where she would be mostly going for service uh, on a weekly basis. Wow. And uh, our name is mentioned on that book, too. Now, did she drive up, did she drive herself there? Was she in a big fancy limo? How did she arrive at the salon? She would come in with a a town car that uh, somebody would drive it, and she would just walk into the salon and go to the the floor where we'll be serving her. Um, A lot of times after she finished uh, service, uh, she would uh, ask us, uh, to uh, if he could go to my office because she liked to make some phone calls uh, privately and just relax for maybe uh, 20 minutes, half an hour. And no one bothered her in the shop, right? You know how no, the no. other folks I would always and... open my office uh, for her to go sit down there and, and do as she wishes. Wow. So you guys had a great, great friendship, it seems. Wow, oh yes, very. that is amazing. And what she also was she liked and trusted most that nobody in our salon ever snapped a picture. Join the Hair Radio Online Community. It's free to be a member. It's social media for the hair and beauty industry. Great space for entrepreneurs to meet new customers, network with new friends, upload pictures, make, like, read, and share posts about hair, beauty, and business, and more. Go to hrmember.com to sign up. As women, it seems like we carry the weight of the world on our shoulders, and that weight is directly balanced between your two feet. And with this balancing act, who do you think is suffering? not the kids. It's your feet. While running errands, paying bills, or dodging traffic, you could be ruining your feet. Wearing the wrong shoes for the wrong period of time can cause more damage than you think. Hammer toe and bunions are the leading deformities in black women. And Dr. Yolanda Raglan is the first black and only female podiatrist with practices dedicated solely to the correction of these type of deformities. So let this black girl do some magic and fix your feet. For more information, visit fixyourfeet.com providing medically necessary surgery with a cosmetic result. It's time to rise and shine with the Hair Radio Morning Show with Gary Hines. All right, we are back live. It is Friday morning, September 30th of 2022. It is my great honor and pleasure. We're in our spotlight uh, third hour. Again, it's show number 765, show 765 today. Uh, And we're with, of course, Michael Hopkins out of Spotsylvania, Virginia. Michael, good morning again. Happy third hour to you. We're live. On the air, so true. And also, so true. yeah, and also we are welcoming back again. We haven't chased them off, uh, not yet, anyway. <laughs> Out of Maryland, it is a brand new contributor to the broadcast. He's with us Thursdays and Fridays morning, Thursdays and Friday mornings in our spotlight hour. Of course, I'm talking about the irrepressible Dr. Paul Dyer. Good morning again, and uh, happy third hour. Good morning. Good morning, brothers. How you guys doing? How you doing, brother? Yeah. Great, just great. What about yourself? 
We're doing good. You know, I I um, always up and and doing our thing. You know, you never stop getting up early, and hopefully you do more before nine a.m. before most people do all day. <laughs> oh, I've heard yeah. that one before. Oh, exactly. I have heard that one yeah. going back to the seventies. <laughs> Is that it? Wow. Okay. Well, listen, I I know the feeling. I get a lot done before five a.m. Believe me. Uh, each day. And that's kind of what I want to talk a little bit about today, Dr. Dyer. I'm going to talk about entrepreneurship and getting up early and literally, uh, you know, launching a career for folks in this community. What are some of the steps that we should do? What is the, what's some of the behavior that I think we need to demonstrate and, and practice if we want to reach excellence and, and uh, forming a business and all of that? And so um, I can't wait to to get into the convo uh, with you this morning on that and, and Michael Hopkins as well. Um, you know, first I got to pay a little bit of tribute this morning, what you guys just heard. That was uh, a gentleman who, like I said, he's been here to the studio space uh, here in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, he has been instrumental in uh, working with all these celebrities and uh, the Kennedy connection. And he was, uh, the, you know, beauty uh, person and hairstylist for none other than Jacqueline Kennedy uh, Onassis. And so when I got a chance to go to a shop and sit down and chat with him about it, and I was going to do some work to bring out the, the product that she used to love and all of that, he wanted me to help him with that. And so just uh, our amazing friends. And I have to say, just it's just crazy sometimes, you know, when you think about how our lives have all intersected, if you will, to a big degree. So uh, that's it. Just wanted to go ahead and harp on that a little bit. Uh, Dr. Paul Dyer, I remember yesterday, you guys know we're still reeling from the news uh, of the recent uh, loss uh, of rap icon, uh, Coolio. And we had a chance to kind of chat about it yesterday. Uh, yeah, cause, because now uh, it's kind of starting to sink in a little bit. I think we were we're still in a little bit uh, bit of shock over all of this because it seems so sudden. It seems so sudden uh, with the whole thing that uh, you know on his loss. Um, so that's all. I, actually, you know what? I have a clip on this. Uh, this is you yesterday. Dr. Dyer uh, on Julio. Yes, you've not heard this before on on listening to the Hair Radio Show uh, where we do playback. So yeah, we bring it just like TV, only better. All right, so here, Dr. Dyer, take a listen to yesterday what you had to say. Heard of Julio? We'll talk uh, well, you yeah, I'm, I, you know, here's the thing. You know, being our, at, at our mid, my mid age, growing up in New York. I was a big East Coast against the West Coast guy, right? Oh, so yeah, I was wow. a, uh, yeah, yeah. I was a, I was, you know, big in the biggie and you know, and, and I you know, growing up with Grandmaster Flash or so the old school Boogie Down Bronx, remember I'm a boogie down guy. Yeah. So um Yeah. yeah so, so Coolio and all this stuff. But here's here's as we get older and we realized why it was called gangster rap because it was a fight for and a fight mm. against. It, it's 
different than what it, the terminology may be non-melanin people may understand what gangster meant. Gangster meant yeah. for the black community was to fight for. You know, we're always yeah. fighting for, and we always seem like we're fighting oh, against. Yeah. So, and that's what Tupac said. I'm going to be a thug for life because... You know, you're killing me in the streets, and I'm fighting for it. So, yeah, I'm a thug. You want to call me a thug? You want to criminalize it? But I'm a thug because, you know, it's so if you want to call me what you call me, but you got to understand where it comes from. you got to understand yeah. what we are thinking. So that is how we grew up in the 80s, in the you know, 70s and 80s and the 90s when Coolio came out called Gangster Rap. It was, the language wasn't just about selling the, the yayo and the drugs and stuff. It was about getting out of a place that is trying to strangle you. And, exactly. And, and, and remember that tattoo, Thug Life, that uh, yes. that uh, that that, uh, that he had. He always wore that, um, and uh, proudly so, proudly so. And I, I certainly remember those days. Now I have to tell you. Uh, yeah, this still caught me a little bit off guard. I, I, even though they had, they had already claimed this man dead many times, uh, over the, you know, as part of popes and things like that. So uh, this, you know, I was at first a little reluctant to believe it was true, and uh, then I said, oh my gosh, it is. When PMZ reports up, you know it's true. I don't know how those <laughs> folks find out everything. They must have folks at, at everywhere. <laughs> you know, TMZ is on top of it. Next to hair radio, those are the folks who uh, pay attention to. And uh, so I was just blown away. All right. So we're back live, Dr. Paul Dyer, uh, Michael Hopkins on Carrie Hines out of Brooklyn, New York. So there you have it. Dr. Dyer, just a, a quick clip part. Uh, what uh, what goes through your mind? Did you have any uh, feedback on on what you've heard, and also how all this is playing out? What uh, what might you want to say today? You know, it, it, it does. You know, listening to the show, and you've probably done this a hundred times. And when when you listen to the conversation, you still get the same feeling about what we're talking about because I love having what you interconnection interwoven conversations because it's about yeah. bringing life to a full circle. And I and I and I think that's why we we, we love to do this. I know I love to do this. I'm so happy to be part of the Hair Morning Radio Show. Um, and to talk about the the movement of our people, right? And how can we yeah. move forward? And specifically exactly. in these economic times, people are struggling with how they're going to be because what the what it was and earning a living and getting paid for it, or having a happiness or having a home or whatever it is. It's all it's thrown up in the air because we are we are not in charge of our own destiny. Yeah. So what steps can we take, Doctor Dyer? What steps well, uh, can we take to change that trajectory? The, the the you know going back to what me and Michael were just talking about, getting up early. It you know most people say I don't have an entrepreneurial spirit. So and I think everyone has an cool. entrepreneurial spirit. They're just afraid right. to take the step. Right, and they're like the uncertainty. It's the uncertainty because you know if you go work at 
place A, you know you're going to get paid your your check B. on Friday at three. Right, <laughs> right. So, so so that that comfortability to me is also mental mental enslavement. Ooh, you got to think about wow, oh, that's real deep. I said, how I knew that I knew Dr. <laughs> Dyer was going to go to mental I really did. I said, you know wow. what? Wow. Yeah, uh, that's real deep. Go to mental today. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. You jumped right on in with both feet, Dr. Paul Dyer. Um, <laughs> okay. So you're saying that if uh, the folks like, if you have scribes to the belief that you go to a regular nine to five, pretty much uh, you're being conditioned. As opposed you are. to thinking about independent, uh, you know, working possibly for yourself, um, which I never understood that because to me, working for yourself has your, it's really community based. You're mm-hmm. doing so much for the people in your environment, in your milieu. Mm-hmm. I don't know how on this earth that folks don't realize that when you're creating a, a, a small business that you really, you truly are the backbone. Um, you, you're able to put folks to work that might not uh, have a job. But here's the thing, so, you know, what, you know there's, there's many things, to, there's many facets to this, right? So you have the melanin community or the black community or, or certain black yeah. cities, and everyone likes to talk about Tulsa and we have black wall sheets. And and how we oh, used to oh, yeah. live together and depend on each other when we lived in the neighborhoods, but now when 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 the cars and the suburbs came out, a lot of those people moved away from each other, so they couldn't support each other. But mm-hmm. that's not True. the case. I actually look at the mm-hmm. black community, and I know we gotta get. I'm gonna get lambasted by this, but we are culturally inept to help each other. Because you have Ooh. other cultures that live far away Send from each other. emails, text messages, all of that to Dr. <laughs> Paul Dyer. <laughs> because we have other, other, cultures, other cultures who live away from each other travel to go back to their stores, travel to go back yes. to their neighborhoods, travel to go back to their restaurants. It seems like we move five miles away. It's like, I ain't going all the way over there. You know, it's like, it's like, wow, yeah, what, how about, what that? about the support? Yeah. Wow. I tell you, Dr. Dyer, you, uh, you know, you really, you, you yanked that Band-Aid off. Uh, no yep. easing of the Band-Aid. Uh, you just, whoop, that's it, and deal with it. And I think that that's very interesting. I think you have some really good points on this. Um my thing is, what on this planet Earth can we do? What can we do to encourage folks? Uh, do you need to start when they're little kids? Uh, yes. What can you do to, to do, I think we were talking about this a little bit yesterday, but what can you do yes. to pour into these children so that they understand that entrepreneurship is an option? Because I don't think we are still there yet. And we've never been there as a community that, you know, that promotes entrepreneurship as a viable option for folks. And it's a shame because uh, I think we could, you know, it would change our whole, our lives in this area. 
Well, so if you look at the if you look at the separation between cultures, and and, and it has to it, it does come all the way down to African Americans, people who were mm. transported here in in the ships and was brought and separated, and and again we talked about this yesterday when a, the black man has a hard time feeling like he's ever going to be in one place, he's going to be separated. When, but if you talk about mm-hmm. other people from outside the country. They do have entrepreneurship, Africans, all of Africa, all of everyone outside the United States who grew up in other countries have a sense of I'm going to build something and I'm going to make it work for my community. So 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 what's the difference between a person and the next person? It is that sense of service, not just to oneself, but to the community. And if you don't have that, you're never going to look at entrepreneurship. You're never even going to think that you could do mm. it. You're always going to think that I need to be the, 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 the mule to pull the plow. You're not going to be the one. Oh, who, yeah. Who, you wow. know, Dr. Dyer, it reminds me of back in the, I think it was around the 70s, there was that public uh, ad commercial, and it said to get a good job, you need a good education. Mm-hmm. And it a lot of times it was geared toward African Americans, and, and like you're saying, the mentality, our mentality was not entrepreneurship. We were being scared, uh, steered toward working for somebody else, and that was well, the that mindset. Was the government. That a government job, you know, go to the post right. office. Right, right. I know. I remember. It, uh, right. Go ahead, Michael. I'm sorry to interrupt right. you. Right. I was going to say, I know, especially those of us that were in the military, and when we decided to get out, a lot of times we were pointed toward working for the feds, working a state level, local level, and a lot of times it was law enforcement, fire departments. It was things where they had. Uh, what you would call a um, sort of like a paramilitary type group. And a lot of us were geared towards that because what we did in the military. So Mm. you you have a a fantastic point, Dr. Dyer. And, And I just can't wait. I'm just sitting here on pins and needles because I just want to see how deep you're going to go with this. Oh, yeah, that's no. what I want to know. It sounds like that there's a challenge. Um, <laughs> there you have it. There you have it. And I have a feeling that Dr. Dyer really can, you know, dig down and and uh, really profoundly uh, inform, educate, and inform us about these things, uh, really. And that's why we have you here, Dr. Dyer. We really appreciate your insight. Uh, you know, and 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 doing so many different things, and we're gonna continue to roll. The, you know, talk about your your wonderful experience as well, uh, because um, I just think uh, it's gonna just uh, really do some things here. Now, I've got to say, uh, I'm hoping that we can, you know, make people realize. Please, whatever you do, uh, you know, I think that. Your gift, I think everybody has different things that they do well, 
And to me, that should be tied to what you are looking to do as an entrepreneur. Does that make sense? I mean, that makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. But but when you're talking about it making sense and it yeah. and it paying the sense, right? Some people it makes sense, yeah. you know, and it says, oh, I can think of it. But then when you ask them to pay for it, they're like, I'm not sure. So when you dig down mm. deeply, and I have I have with different clients when I'm talking with them about releasing a lot of this fear and trauma, and, and I ask them, well, what do you think holds you back? And they say, I don't know. That mm. in itself, it, it, it's a blockage. Wow. It's such a deep emotional blockage. So a lot of times what I ask people to do, I say, close your eyes. And think of, a, like, say, let's, think of, let's go with entrepreneurship. So most people say, well, I don't know what I would do. And that's not true because Carrie just mentioned everyone has a gift. They really do. Everyone can be developed a widget. If you ever took a business class, it's widget one and widget two and what's your line items, right? Everyone has a widget within their minds, right? And I'm not talking about being a successful widget. I'm not talking about being a field. I'm just talking about think of something you can do that it only takes you to do it. And when you think of that thought, there's a feeling that comes inside your body. Close your eyes, breathe in in through your nose and out through the mouth, and think of being on your own and making your own money. If you feel it in 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 the pit of your stomach, that's historical fear. That's something that's so deep rooted. Wow. That's something that is that is something that is that is that is so far that you have never in touch with. Right. I'm talking now I'm not talking just in your belly and butterfly stomach like before you get on stage. I'm talking lower than that. I'm talking it's almost in your birth unit, like where you're you know, down below your belly button. That that feeling of oh, that sickness that's so deep-seated. If you have it where your neck starts to get tensed up, that's a sense of not having failure. You know, you're afraid to fail. So if you're holding it in your shoulders. And, and then so also when you're, you feel like you have to go to the bathroom, that's a sense of negative emotions being held in the liver. So you don't know if you, 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 you feel valued. So your body has signals all through it, right? It lets you know where a lot of this stuff sits. And if you're unable to recognize where it sits, it stays there and it plays peekaboo with you every time you think you want to do something. Someone says, well, I want to start this business. You have the great idea, but you don't have the deep emotional connection to yourself of ever succeeding. So people will do something, but they don't have a deep connection to true success, which is why they fall on their faith which is why they falter on their belief, which is why they falter on love, which is why they falter on community. Wow. So it sounds like it's the core to many, many things. Yeah. Wow. How did you you come to realize all that? For me, one, one, it's experience. And, to, and and for me, when I, what did I mean by experience? I have felt the same shame myself. I have felt the same disappointment myself. I have felt the same, um, um, I'm not sure if I'm good enough myself. But understanding and, and wondering why I was feeling this way, how I was feeling this way, 
So I, I pull back the layers of it, my internal self. And that comes through the martial science and developing. When you're studying to be a, a true martial artist and a true human being, you have to come from the beginning of the seed to develop and cultivate. If you're not developing cultivating, then someone's cultivating, developing you to be the worker they need you to be, not the person that you can be. So, so once you start to peel that out and start to work that out and, and all those different things, I wanted to know how come, why me, right? So I pulled that apart. Now I end up moving into the tentacles of the science part, the physiological part, the human aspect part. That's something people don't touch you. You know, and that's why I got into the neuroscience. That's why I got into the physical body. That's why I got into the spiritual body. Because there's a lot of things in there that no one teaches you. You know, when you go to some of these sermons and places, they're still teaching you how to be a worker. They're not teaching you how to be individual. Right. And, and, and they're still teaching you how to um, gather along with, with the sheep. You know what I mean? And exactly. so they're holding you. They're holding you to want you to be part of their 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 crowd, so they can have more exactly. masses. Yeah. Yeah. Folks are shocked when, uh, like the Hair Radio Morning Show, when they start listening to our broadcast, and we encourage entrepreneurship. That's all we've talked about for 27 years of the Hair Radio Show. Uh, well, so that, we've well, always... doesn't that come from Madam C.J. Walker? I mean, we wouldn't yeah, have yeah, um, yeah. we wouldn't have an entrepreneurship when it comes to hair if it wasn't Madam Madam C. So why not take that as this is this is our this is our beginning? So let's do this exactly. And I'll tell you something. You bring up a very good point. Uh, yeah, Madam C.J. Walker. She was one of the uh the the one of the beginners of this whole entire black hair industry and so uh we really we just you know i i say if madam walker can do it and they she didn't have an internet uh her internet was her two feet <laughs> and uh that's that's all she had and she knocked on doors and she went to school uh, with another hair industry legend named Annie Malone. And so uh, Madam Walker, who we just love and appreciate and we respect her accomplishments here, um, want to kind of, you know, dig back, had a chance to chat with uh, the great-great-granddaughter of Madam Walker uh, right here on the Hair Radio Morning Show. We're talking about Alelia Bundle. Alelia herself was named after Madam Walker's daughter, uh, who uh, was came to be known as the joy lust goddess of Harlem. So when I had a chance to chat with Alelia, and uh, I've worked with Alelia as well. She's been to my live shows, and we've worked and done a whole bunch of things. And I had a chance to ask her about her famous great-great-grandmother. And here's what she had to say. Let's take a quick – I'm only going to take uh, play this for a couple minutes, but I want you guys to get the sense of how deep this entrepreneurship thing goes, especially in the hair and beauty industry. Again, this is a, a very special treat to have the one and only Alilia Bundles on our show. She talks a little bit about her famous uh, heritage. Take a listen. You're listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hines. Now I have a very special 
guest with us today. Her name is Alelia Bundles, and we'll have her tell you the rest. Good morning, Alelia. Good morning to you, and welcome Good to the morning, show. Good morning, Carrie. <laughs> yes, it's great to have you with us here on the Hair Radio Morning Show. Now, I just want to jump right on in. You are now. Hold on. Let's let's let you tell us about the amazing lineage that you have in the hair and beauty industry. Go right ahead. You take it away, Alelia. Well, I, so I grew up with two parents who worked in the hair care industry. Um, my great great grandmother is Madam C J Walker. My mother was vice president of the Walker Company when I was growing up, and my dad was president of Summit Laboratories. So we spent our vacations going to hair shows. Wow. Well, you know what? Let's start off there. Tell us a little bit more about, now, I, I've certainly we're a little bit more familiar, obviously, with your, your great-great-grandmother and, and even your mother's work, I mean, your grandmother's work and so forth. But tell us a little bit more about um, the, your grandfather, was it, that you were just mentioning? My father. My father was president of Summit Laboratories, and my mom was okay. vice president of the Walker Company. Oh, okay. Now, tell us about the Summit Laboratory. So what did he do? He was... Well, so Summit Labs, so in the late 1950s when companies like Johnson and Sauchine and Summit were developing uh, the chemical hair straighteners and, you know, people were going from the hot comb to to, uh, to chemical straighteners, then my dad was president of one of those companies. So when I was growing up, actually the Summit Labs was the bigger deal, was the more successful company financially, but the Walker Company, um, my great, that was founded by my great-great-grandmother, Madam C.J. Walker, in 1906, certainly continues to have the legacy as a founder of the black hair care industry. And I, uh, we're back live. I just love Alelia's take on the whole entire industry. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to play the clip with Alelia Bundles, again, the great-great-granddaughter of Madam C.J. Walker, which is wonderful for us. Uh, and we've covered everybody in the hair business. Uh, pretty much everybody's been through our show in some way, uh, shape, or form of fashion and, you know, and all that. Uh, right now, there is, excuse me, there is the Netflix series on her own ground, uh, which was well, actually the book is on her own ground. Let me just put some water here. Uh, what did you hear in that, Dr. Geyer? When we talk about having you said, how do we teach our young people? She was taught because of what? The environment. She was taught. Maybe we don't even know the direct conversations that they had, but the conversation in the household was about development. Her father was a a scientist about the hair company. So he was big into development. The mother, you know, it was all about creating. So if you're not talking about this, it's never going to get passed down. It's, it's, and, that's, and that's one of our flaws. Every other community, we always seem to associate with ourselves with different types of community and say, how do they do that? We go into 7-Elevens. Well, how can the Indian people from, you know, have all these 7-Elevens? It's talked about. Do the country is talked about. The, the, you know, Asian America talks about it. 
There is there is nothing else about it but to keep talking about it and to entrench your verbiage, your being exactly. into development. And, and we never talk about it. We always talk about, exactly. did you get a promotion? We'll wow. talk about getting a promotion, but we won't talk about, I'm going to start my own business. And then when and think about That's the conversations true. you've had or been around. I'm going to start my own company. You know, you know how hard that is? Already oh, yeah. That's the first oh, yeah. Negative talk. Right. It always yeah. happens like that when you go to start your own thing in our community. Yeah. It's always Absolutely. negative talk. You know, the thing, though, what Alelia did, and she explains this, so I'm going to let the interview play out on the next broadcast so you guys can really get a full appreciation. What I love is that she really painted the picture of what her grand great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother, actually, uh, contributed to the industry. And I love this because I've had on the people, right now what's left of, uh, and there's a lot left of Madam Walker's legacy. I'm part of that legacy and so much of what we do here. Uh, but out in uh, Indiana, there is the Madam Walker Theater which is in Indianapolis, and it's built on the ground, the sacred ground that Madam Walker had her wonderful, uh, a big building, uh, you know, her her big uh, building where they made manufacturing plant, I guess is what I'm looking for, uh, for the Walker products and all of that. So they've been on our show. We've had just about everybody, and we just appreciate them so much. And we have that connection with her family. Uh, that still exists to this day, and I'm so proud of that. So when we talk about entrepreneurship, it's a big thing for us. It's a big thing for us. Listen, I want to continue this this whole talk uh, uh, today uh, in just a bit. We need to take a little bit of a commercial break, and um, and we'll be back. We've got a lot more to go this morning on this uh, wonderful topic. The wonderful thing about, uh, you know, entrepreneurship, we never run out of things to say on being an entrepreneur. And I'm going to tell you about my own experience in this uh, wonderful game. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Let's take a little commercial break. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Did you know that the Hair Radio Show with Carrie Hines is the longest-running radio broadcast on hair and beauty talk in the world? It's a broadcasting hair industry institution. Be a live guest on air and join our long list of amazing celebrities and hair and beauty industry luminaries who've all been on our show. Give our office team a call at 833-402-8882. Again, that's 833-402-8882. Or visit us online at hairradio.com because you haven't made it until you've made it to Hair Radio. So we're back live on the Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hines. I've got to say, uh, talking about the entrepreneurs uh, in this, uh, especially in the hair industry. I'm on with Dr. Paul Dyer, Michael Hopkins, and you're listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show on this Friday morning, September 30th. It's the last day of September. That's our show number 765. And just uh, 
kind of talking again, like I said, about entrepreneurship. And one of the, other than Madam Walker and Annie Loan and all those other folks out there, uh, there was, uh, you know, uh, one of the, the folks that we just lost, uh, I think I played a little bit about his life early on the show today. I'm talking about Dr. Willie Morrow. And Dr. Willie Morrow uh, was one who uh, was deep in uh, in the whole black hair experience. So talk about entrepreneurship. His daughter, Cheryl, has been on our show many times, and we're just real excited uh, about that. And, and we're going to continue to talk about entrepreneurship. I think um, I'm going to see, I think we have someone standing by uh, that we're going to kind of dig on into uh, uh, some interesting, uh, a little bit, uh, we're going to take a, a turn over to uh, this other direction. We're going to chat a little bit more about that. Hey, I don't know if you caught this at the very tip, tip top of the broadcast today. We're talking about from 6 in the morning uh, till 9. We played this song for the very, very first time. It's a gentleman whom I've had a chance to, uh, I've, seen him perform as part of uh, Black Entertainment BET TV special uh, that I had a chance to attend here in Manhattan years ago. But uh, And it's only like three or four minutes. We're going to talk. Uh, we're going to work on our surprise. So uh, stay with us this morning. We've got more to talk about with entrepreneurship and getting a business started when you're from the African-American community. Again, Dr. Paul Dyer. Michael Hopkins, I'm Carrie Hines. Here is this great song, and then we'll be right back to uh, talk on the other side. So uh, take a listen.
rise and shine with the Hair Radio Morning Show with Carrie Hines. All right, we're back live. It is Friday morning, September 30th, 2022. It's about 8.43 New York time. I want to bring back to the line Dr. Paul Dyer, Michael Hopkins, my amazing team in the morning here on the Hair Radio Morning Show. And I have a very special guest caller into the show. Uh, You guys know him. It's been a long time since he's been with us. It's my dear brother, Dr. Leroy Hines. Good morning. What a surprise. Cheers. Uh, Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Morning, yeah. Yeah, good morning to you guys. I see Carrie got it really stacked up this morning. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Now, hold it. Uh, Brother Lee, what do you say when you hear Dr. Dyer on uh, the Hair Radio Show? What what goes through your mind? (laughs) Excellent. Uh, uh, Yeah. yeah, you know, I've I've been on a number of shows with, with Dr. Dyer as well as Julia him and I. We both share one common interest, which is, of course, martial arts. And, um, yeah. you know, I I just think that that brother is really like, I think he's really off the chain in terms of, terms of his intellect and also yeah. in terms of his ability to kind of like um, articulate what the real interests are, particularly interests in general to all Americans, but African Americans in particular. Absolutely. Well, we can also say the same things about you. Uh, many folks might recall, I, one of my favorite, I think, one of your last appearances on our show, uh, we had you on with uh, the former mayor out of Jersey, uh, Wayne Smith, and that was just a phenomenal show. And every oh, time yeah. that you hit the broadcast, yeah, you just knock it out of the box. And as a trained economist, we've been talking today about entrepreneurship uh, is there something you could quickly share on on where that falls in today's, you know, does it have an impact on the economy with, you know, encouraging folks to look to be entrepreneurs? Does that make sense? Is there a correlation there? I guess is what I'm saying. Oh, uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, 66% of um, 66% of businesses that um, uh, at any time, it's a flux sort of are usually like businesses that have a year that have actually been created through entrepreneurship. Now, don't get me wrong. Not all of those businesses survive, but I think it's extremely important. And even furthermore, I think it's extremely important in terms of teaching that in school. And I know you and I, we've had this conversation numerous times, Gary, where about one of the things that I feel is that when we start talking about Pax Americana and entrepreneurship, it's not taught in the school. So, and, and these are the things that exactly. need to be taught early on from the very beginning. Oh, lot, boy, we still... you've been listening to us. That's exactly <laughs> no. Dr. in my right. Aren't those the things yeah. that well, we just said a little while ago? Yeah. One of the I mean, things I'm... that, you know, Brother Hines is spot on when it comes to things that are taught in school, but ask yourself, why is it taught in school? You remember um, um, Henry Ford he was, the, you know, the development of the manufacturing plant. We're not just talking about the right. car, but he was also he was instrumental in developing the education school system. Yeah. So the public school systems was a manufacturing plant. 
Think about it. It's a mm. manufactured plan oh, yeah. for human beings to be at the educated worker, not for entrepreneurship. So it's never going to be uh, exactly. Uh, exactly. Wow. And, and 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 also, Doctor wow, Dyer, it's a throwback. Really from, it's a throwback from the agrarian days, in which actually, like, you know, like particularly in the South, we're about. You know, you, uh, during the summertime, you out there doing the farming and planting and stuff like that, and and then and in the fall, in the fall, you you basically are doing some harvesting, but you also getting a little school in, also, at, but just for a couple hours a day. It was and, and taking it back to what you said, it was never geared towards. Um, it was never geared towards basically helping everyone become astute enough that they can have enough wherewithal to try to be business people. Basically, like um, going back to Henry Ford, Henry Ford was basically as ironic because although he could be credited on some level with all of the machine machine for development and the lines and stuff, and everybody know the racism and stuff associated with that and the, and the scabs that exactly. he used on black folks and stuff. But basically what he did in doing that, he actually made workers the perfect machine and made the capital that went into the investment to be able to create cars and stuff like that the perfect workers. That's right. And that's wow. and, and that's where and that's why blacks have a hard time with entrepreneurship because they just became the better practice farm tool. We're just another farm tool in the business practice. And, that's and right. when you think wow. about how when you think about what a company does, it takes the same playbook for colonization that people have done um, around the world. You think of what the British did with colonization. You think what Spain did with colonization. That's all we are in these companies is colonization. And most people understand mm-hmm. that in the company, but they're like, but I really, you know, I, I love what I do. You may love what you do, but the person you're doing it for is taking more out of you than you giving in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, ex- uh, exactly. Oh, yeah. it's so deep. Oh, that yeah, is and, so deep. And and, and you, you know you know what? Not not to not to go back and basically like 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 quote Karl Marx or anything like that when we're looking at that labor's theory of value and which the mm-hmm. the worker basically creates only a, a, a or receives only a micro fraction of what he produces in terms of wealth. Okay. The the problem has been and and I'm gonna kind of like like looking back, looking at what you said, Doctor Dyer it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around around like um around the fact that i could be i could be more than what i am i could be i could be more than the than the little part of this big sum but but the fact is is that when i'm always told to identify and 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 go to work and and like if i'm a if i'm a factory worker or a machinist and i'm always told that you know what i am so proud of what i do this is what I do. And you're looking over at the next person, and you may even start to compete with that person, or you may even malign another individual just because that individual feel that, you know what, I could get out there and I could do this, and I could do this. And the first thing they're going to say, oh, no, 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 you ain't going to be able to do that. You're just wasting your time. And, you know, so that kind of teaching, I just feel that if it was done at an earlier age, Whereabout the school system was centered around um, entrepreneurial entre- entrepreneurship, but also teaching a lot more about what it means in this kind of market set in this market system we live in, because because it's a system of markets, 
And if you don't really understand it and you don't really understand how to take maybe the things that you're good at and basically get out there and just do your thing, make some money from it. These are the kind of things that we're constantly, even even our parents sometimes say, no, nah, he's got a crazy idea or she's got a crazy idea. You need to go out yeah. and get a job. And you don't get that encouragement because because it just doesn't exist, Harley. And even if sometimes, like, if you've got a, a grandiose idea that you may say, hey, you know what, i got an idea for maybe extending the life of a car battery, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this, you ain't going to hardly get any support because, number one, if nobody else really understands the concept of entrepreneurship in the communities that you, that you come exactly. from, where are you going to get that support from? Well, yeah. I don't get it from you. I, I yeah. tell you that, guys. I can wow. tell you right yes. now. Wow. Oh, bring it I, on. Keep I, bringing I, it, my brother. I, I can tell you right now, Dr. Hines, how people and my you – know, hey, listen to me, people. You know, again, I always like to say listen slowly because this is going to hurt. You can ask – you can know that surrounding the people you have around you, when you ask for friends and family to give you a donation to start your business and see, how, <laughs> and see how many chirp up. And they, and they <laughs> the dime and you can make a phone call. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. Not on this no, planet. It ain't going to happen. It is not going to happen. That's right. And, uh, but that's I love right. that. That you've been part of the, the, the conversations and the points that you're bringing, brother, Dr. Leroy Hines, my dear brother, who's our special guest this morning with Paul Dyer, Dr. Paul Dyer and Michael Hopkins. Uh, this is really important. And then it said, it, it's like you've been a part of the same conversation already since the top of the show, because these are, it's like, uh, it's unbelievable, uh, you know, but to talk about encouragement, to talk about education, uh, you know, I think that entrepreneurship is so incredible to the future and to our community, particularly in the future. I just hope and wish and pray and keep, uh, on the Hair Radio Morning, some some kind of way where we can encourage folks that this is an option or something to think about and how to create that path forward. If that makes right. any sense. Now, now, yeah. now to take to take this on an institutional level, um, the same way that you can't get support in terms of money or anything like that from maybe your right. community, you're not going to get that from the banks either. And you know, exactly. like it's, it's fun. It's funny. I mean, you could you could be someone from another community, from a different zip code, if I may add. Code is this, and and obviously you go to the bank and you borrow some money, or try to borrow some money, and you're going to get turned down. I don't care how great your business plan is. I don't care. Like like exactly. I, I mean, they they just don't they just don't do that for certain people because in their minds. It's never a good idea. Now, it's it's good enough idea that if you leave it laying someplace and they can get their hands on it and somebody will take it because that's happened to me before. And I'll wow. give you an example. This is going back. Actually, um, Michelle Obama's friend years ago in Chicago, I wrote a software piece called Hegemony. And I was trying to get it developed. It was supposed to be a business program management software package. So I met this guy named Dr. Shannon. He's out of Chicago. And he's a, he's a friend of, um, of Michelle and her brother. 
And so I said to myself, at that time, Barack Obama, I think, was running for senator to become a senator in, mm. in Illinois. So I was like, I was like, wow. I said, and, I, and, and I've already heard of Barack. And I said, well, you know what? This may be a good thing. And so he, Dr. Shannon, uh, he's, he, he, he's, he was connected with this bank. <clears throat> he was connected with this bank. I forgot the name of the bank, and maybe it's a good thing I did. But anyway, but they're out of Illinois. And I went to those guys to borrow some money to get, so I could be, basically get the software program. They turned me down. And so oh. I, wind up getting, I wind up getting some people in the Middle East to to program it for me. And and the package, all of a sudden these folks, kid you not, folks from the bank took my information and gave it to somebody and this company was called Wayne Farms. And they were basically trying to make sell a business program manage a uh, management package to a company in the agricultural industry which I actually was planning. And I got a call saying, Hey this is just like this other package that you demo for us. Come to find out, it was, it was mine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Now, and and, and now, this how did right that here, make now, you feel, brother? How did that make you feel? Oh, I, I was really upset. Matter of fact, I threatened those guys and I told them that I was going to sue them. Now, here's the problem: I can't algorithms are algorithms. If I created them, I can't stop them really from 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 doing they could rearrange it some other way but the fact is they probably made it look differently but they just changed they didn't go back into that industry with with that they probably went somewhere else so i had threatened the bank and i threatened dr shannon and dr dr shannon Clay swore up and down he said that it was somebody in the bank and because it was a small, wow. small bank it, it was a it was a bank um a, it was a bank that had ties to the indian community and you know, so yeah. so so this is what I'm saying. Here's a guy who had a great idea, trying to get funding for it. Went out there to get get the funding for it, got turned down. And then all of a sudden, um, you find out the that idea. these people are trying yeah. to solicit my my idea and sell the idea to companies like Wayne Farms and there was one other one too, um, 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 Arthur Daniel Midland. Wow. Well, I, I have to tell you, first of all, let me just say, uh, you know, we've been there. Um, you know, as, as folks of color, we, these are things that are not foreign to us. Um, I love this whole talk today on entrepreneurship. I absolutely, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, so this is something that's right uh, <laughs> right up my alley here. And we're going to continue this next week. I'm hoping Brother Lee, I'm hoping that you will come back. My gosh, don't stay away for another well, year on the show. Hey, like I said, uh, after the day, the day, after the day, I'm a free man. Well, listen, now we go, and we're going to talk about that next week too. So we're going to have you back. Um, I'm hoping you'll join us. Uh, thanks again, Dr. Leroy Hines, for just chiming in uh, with Dr. Paul Dyer this morning. Michael Hopkins, all of us on the Hair Radio Show. Dr. Dyer, what did you what did you think of Dr. Leroy Hines uh, dropping by this morning? You, you know what? I love I love I love. He's your brother, but he's my brother from a different mother. I tell you, you know. How about that? And the work yeah. that we're we are going to do and have done are going to continue to do is to uplift, promote, teach, share, and love. 
And that, and we wanted them to understand, because if you don't change your mindset, you're going to end up dead. Well, listen, right. on that note, uh, I want to thank all of you. Michael Hopkins, thanks so much for being with us. Don't forget, Michael will be on Tuesday at 830 with Vet Talk Radio Show right here. Uh, the doc, Dr. Paul Dyer, you'll be with us Thursday, Friday next week. We're going to see if we can get Dr. Leroy Hines in again to join us. I'm yeah. Terry Hines out of Brooklyn, New York. We'll see you back here on Tuesday for the next live edition of the Hair Radio Morning Show. It's been a great honor. It doesn't end here. Go to our uh, partners at UpscaleMagazineRadio.com to listen to the best of the Hair Radio Show. Here's our outro. Thank you, guys. Awesome job today. Great Friday. Wow. All right. Thanks again.